Welcome back to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today is the dad joke-telling, my bad announcing, and mad scientist in training, Jordan Kress. How's it going, Jordan? I'm doing great. Um, I will tell you, it's hard to be a mad scientist in training during March Madness. I feel like all my spare time and thoughts have been consumed with the bracket that just came out yesterday, but... But I guess, hey, you got to have the madness for the mad scientist, right? I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know if Iowa does this on purpose, but we have our spring break this week, which means I actually don't have to fake going to class or going to work on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like this whole weekend, which is the best weekend of March Madness, is, is the opening weekend. I can actually watch all the games and I don't have to watch it on my phone while not listening in class, which is great. Yeah, I'm so jealous because I'm going to have to try to do that. And it's I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle this year because, I mean, not only am I trying to going to be trying to do that during classes, but also while I'm doing like lab work. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Honestly, I don't know why we haven't made this a public holiday yet, because I mean, I've heard like millions of dollars get lost due to like uh, un- unproductive, you know, people in the workplace during these few days in particular, you know? So yeah, it's, it's like, a waste of time. It's a waste yeah. of time for people to go to work on these days. Also the day after the Super Bowl for most people, not for us necessarily, because we don't drink, but for yeah. most people, um, the day after the Super Bowl should make up some holiday, name it, whatever you want. And then Thursday, Friday uh, of this week w- should be federal holidays in some way. Yep, I agree. Because, yeah, really not, no work's going to get done. I mean, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So, but yes, we're really excited. Um, it's been so, so fun to like go through this bracket. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting matchups, as there always are. Um, but what we wanted to do today is we wanted to break down the bracket region by region. Uh, but before we get into that, we actually first wanted to talk about uh, what we thought about the um, the seeding in the tournament and like uh, some people that we thought should have made it in the tournament that did not and some people that made it into the, the tournament that maybe shouldn't have. So, uh, yeah, who's in that discussion for you, Brady? Honestly, for me, uh, there wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't too many teams that I felt like deserved to get in that didn't make it. Um, and I feel like like everyone likes to talk about who gets snubbed and who doesn't get snubbed, but there's 68 teams. And like, if you're the 69th team, then, well, you probably should have played better and you would have made it. Like there's, there's no one I feel bad for necessarily, if that makes sense, just on the front end of this, I don't feel bad for any of the teams that got left out. The only, the only glaring, um, the only glaring mistake I think the committee made in this regard is allowing Michigan into the field. Uh, I feel like they did not perform well down the stretch. They they were like, wasn't their last re- their record seventeen and fourteen? Yep. To end the year, like they were not very impressive for most of the year, and I don't really understand how they got into the field, especially with like even on the heels of all the Juwan Howard nonsense that we may get into later in the show but what, what were your thoughts about Michigan yeah I it's inexcusable that they made it in 
do you know the there has only been one other time in the NCAA tournament if I might be wrong on this I think this is correct I think there's only been one other time in the NCAA tournament that a team that's only three wins over 500 has made it in that was Georgia in the 2001 NCAA tournament and I think all of their losses were to top 25 ranked opponents that were ranked at that time it was it was crazy something crazy like that so um so I mean this is definitely not that case Michigan had some bad losses especially towards the beginning of the season um so I I really don't think that they should have made it in and I mean if we're if we were going to let a 17 and 14 Michigan Wolverines team in um I don't see why uh, an 18 and 13, 18 and 15 Oklahoma Sooners team wouldn't have made it in because I think their strength of schedule was tougher than uh, Michigan uh, overall being in the big 12 and also getting wins to like Baylor in the big 12 tournament. Um, and also they were playing pretty well down the stretch. Again, I'm kind of, I agree with you. I'm not saying that Oklahoma should have got in because at the end of the day, you know, they needed to play better, but I'm just saying, like, if you're looking at that kind of record, I feel like Oklahoma would be more deserving. And then if you want to get, go even further than that, I would say uh, Texas A&M has a big yeah. argument for that as well. Um, making it to the SEC championship game. Um, and they have, they have uh, more quad one wins than uh, Michigan. So, and what was the record? Eight, uh, 23 and 12. That, yeah. For me, that's so much better than a 17-14. Yeah. I don't see how you can make that judgment call. I think at the end of the day, it's just, you know, Michigan is kind of I, – I mean, would you call Michigan a blue blood? I feel like they're not necessarily uh, no. a blue blood, but they're, like, in that same – they're, like, out, just outside of the realm of blue bloods. Yeah, maybe. They're, they're definitely not a blue blood, but they, do, they are very talented. Yeah. They have a high ceiling as a team. Well, and they have, I'm just saying with the, the program itself is kind of more well-established than like, you know, say a Texas A&M or Oklahoma right. for, for basketball. So maybe that's why, you know, they kind of lean towards those, that team. Another team that I was kind of surprised that made it into the tournament uh, was Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame finished 22 and 10. Um, and in the ACC, which has been down this year, it's not as good as ACC uh, the ACCs of the past, and yeah, they laid an egg in their conference tournament, losing to Virginia Tech. I don't see how they made it in over you know some of those other teams that we mentioned as well. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. But yeah, I do think that those things were things that the committee got wrong. In addition, uh, I was surprised to see uh, Tennessee as a three seed. Um, I think their whole body of work. Um, I think they ended up 23 and seven with like a lot of quad one wins. Um, I think they deserve, deserve to be on the two line in place of Duke. Um, cause again, like you mentioned, the ACC is a little bit down this year and Duke took some bad losses. I think they have two quad three losses, um, on their record this year and, uh, Tennessee did not lose to a team outside of quad one. So yeah, that's, that's another one that's hard for me, but like at the end of the day, is a three that much different than a two? Probably not really, but at, like just the principle of it, you know, like I feel right. like Tennessee was more deserving, but for some reason, I feel like Duke is the program of Duke is always entrenched on the two line. I don't know why that is, <laughs> but 
do you do you feel like that's the same thing? I feel like every year that Duke's in the tournament, they're a number two seed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's just quite a bit. That's just their place, I guess. They're just right in that in that range always. But yeah. Yeah, I do agree with you about Tennessee. I think that they they did deserve a two over Duke. Um, once again, you're you're splitting hairs a little bit, but I do definitely agree Tennessee for their body of work. They won the SEC tournament, right? They did, yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would have put them above Duke there, and then I also definitely agree with Texas A and M. Uh, uh, definitely should have been in, ahead of Michigan. I don't know about Oklahoma really. Like they're eighteen and fifteen. That's not really any better than Michigan and. Um, well, that's that's they, what I'm saying. Like they're like the same record as Michigan, but I think their strength of schedule was a lot better. So, so to defend Michigan a little bit, even though I'm the one that brought them up as the one that shouldn't be in tournament, uh, Kim Palm does rank their strength of schedule as four. They're fourth in the country for their strength of schedule. So, oh, yeah. I'm sure Oklahoma's was really high too because the Big Twelve was was a gauntlet, uh, gauntlet this year. But um, yeah, Michigan did have a did play some tough teams. No, I, I'm not discounting that. And I will say, I think that the Big Ten might be a little bit overrated this year because, um, I mean, I think we had this discussion earlier on in the season that we both thought that Big 12, the Big 12 was the best conference this year. And I think, I think I still stand by that, even though we had nine Big Ten teams make it into the tournament and six Big 12 teams make it into the tournament. But, yeah. um, but again, you know, that's hard because it's, you know, those teams don't play each other a lot. So it's kind of comparing apples to oranges a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, overall can't really gripe too much and about the, the picks for the tournament. And I'm just excited that we have a lot of games to watch now. So, um, are you ready to get started in, uh, working our way through each of these regions in the bracket? Yep. I'm ready. And, and just so you know, for this rest of the segment, we're going to go through the West region. Then we're going to, um, transition over to the East region, give our breakdowns of some of our best games and go through all the games and see which matchups are interesting that you should definitely mark on your schedules so that you can take a break during work and watch those. Um, and then in the second segment, we'll go through these other half of the bracket and uh, end with our, kind of our fun segment where we talk about what makes a good fan base and a bad fan base. But yeah, let's go ahead and go to the West, Jordan. Okay, so to start off in the West, we have the the number one overall seed, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, which I believe we're very deserving of that number one overall spot. Um, they're facing off against the uh, against Georgia State in their first round, and I mean, both picking Gonzaga here. I'm assuming, um, yeah. There's, I mean, there's only been one 16 seed ever to upset a one seed, and I'm, and I don't see it happening at all this year. All the one seeds look decently strong. So, um, so yeah, so I, we'll kind of skip over that game. Not really worth spending time on that, but the eight, nine game, well, I think will be an interesting game. We've got the Boise State Broncos facing off against the Memphis Tigers. What are your thoughts on that game? This will be an interesting game. Um, Memphis was a team that was ranked very highly in the beginning of the season. They have a couple freshmen, uh, high five-star recruits in Amani Bates and Jalen Duran, who people thought would, you know, they'd be able to come in and um, and lead this team to be one of the best um, in the country and potentially win the AAC. Uh, but um, they underperformed. Imani Bates got hurt on January 27th, 
But since then, Memphis has actually played better without him. Uh, Jalen Duran's got 12 points a game, eight rebounds. So he's been, he's been okay. And they have uh, a solid shooting team. So they are an interesting team to watch. And then Boise State in the Mountain West Conference, a pretty decent Mountain West Conference this, this year. Um, yeah, they were a four-bid league this year. Yeah, yeah. So And, and they performed very well with a 27-7 and record. Um, but they don't have any wins against top 25. Memphis has three. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts with this matchup? And, I mean, as a caveat to those three uh, top 25 wins, two of those were Houston, which Houston is a good team, don't get me wrong, but uh, they did lose a few key players in the middle of the season, Traymond Mark and Marcus Sasser. So um, I, don't, I don't count those wins as much. I still mm-hmm. do think that um, Memphis is going to come out on top here um, just because I think they've got so much size and athleticism. Uh, Jalen Duran is a beast and I don't think they're going to, that Boise state has anyone that can really match up with him. Um, their center is a little bit undersized. I, I don't have the roster in front of me, but I think he's about six, eight, six, nine. Um, so I think they're going to have a hard time handling, uh, Jalen Duran down on the post. So I would pick Memphis to, to move forward on this game. Yeah. I also have Memphis. I feel like on the, well, it's not just that I feel like I know that eight and nine games historically are they're a coin flip. It's a 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're 50, 50 on who wins those games. Um, so it's hard to really have any confidence with, with this one, but I also agree. I, if, if I had to pick, I'd pick talent and the, the high ceiling of Memphis in this game. But then we move on to the next matchup, uh, the five twelve, a popular, um, upset pick from what I've heard in New Mexico State taking on UConn. What are your thoughts with this game, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see why it's a popular upset pick. Um, New Mexico State has got a great team again this year. Um, They won the WAC tournament. Um, They've got some really great guards. Um, Teddy Allen, who's actually the brother of Tony Allen, who plays for Texas. Mm -hmm. He's their leading scorer at 19.3 points a game. Um, he's, and yeah, he's just really consistent. They also have Serge Jabari Rice at the guard position as well, who also, uh, does well scoring for them. Uh, but I think I've liked UConn too much going down the stretch of the season. Um, I, I, I think that between the physicality of Adam Sonogo and the rest of that front line of UConn, I don't think New Mexico state's going to be able to handle it. I think it will be a good game, but I think UConn will move forward. Yeah, I agree. And I, I know a, f- a few of the losses for UConn have come when Sonogo was out of the lineup. I believe he mm-hmm. was injured. Is that correct? Yeah. Earlier in the season. So UConn in a pretty good uh, Big East conference at 23-9. and nine. Um, They've had some good wins. I I also am leaning towards UConn. I think it'll be a good game. That, that'll be a good one to watch. Um, but I have UConn in this one. Then the next matchup is uh, Arkansas versus Vermont in the 4-13 game. Um, I think this is also kind of a trendy upset pick as well with a 13 seed, but, and I think it will be a close game. Vermont um, has played really well. Uh, What I think, I think it's going to be a close game, but what it's going to come down to is Vermont hasn't played in a lot of close games this year. Most of their games have been blowouts. So I think I'm giving Arkansas a bit of an edge there because They've had multiple games where they've, um, they, you know, they beat 
Auburn in overtime and they've had multiple games where it came down to like the last possession, they beat Alabama by three. So I'm going to give them the edge in a, in a close matchup. I have, this is one of my uh, picks. If I had to have a, uh, an upset in this round, I would be looking at Vermont. I'm one of those, uh, one of those bandwagoners, I think here, Vermont. And it's for partially the reason that you stated um, that they have been blowing people out. Uh, What's, what's the old saying? Um, Good teams win, great teams cover. And Vermont, Vermont has been covering against lower competition. Uh, and that makes me feel like they're going to be able to compete with Arkansas and Arkansas is a team that has some good wins. Pretty much all of those wins are at home in a pretty raucous environment in Fayetteville and they're, they're but they also have some pretty bad losses too. So they're kind of a hit and miss squad, whereas Vermont has some pretty experienced, um, guys on their team and, and their coach has, has had some good experience as well. Has been there several years, uh, and I think Vermont has a good chance to take out the Razorbacks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of going back and forth on that one, but yeah, I still do like Arkansas, but I can see where you're going with Vermont. Um, the next game that we have is uh, Alabama at the number six seed facing off against the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame. So our first, our first, uh, first, first four team, um, that would be coming. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on this game? And I guess also, what are your thoughts on the the first four game? Who do you think would win in that matchup? This is a tough game, I think, to pick because Alabama is very difficult to to understand what's going on with Alabama because they've at times in the year they've looked really good and have some pretty good wins, but then they go out and lose to like South Carolina and Georgia, like some really bad. SEC teams. Uh, so I'm not really sure what Alabama I'm going to get. They're not a particularly good three-point shooting team. They're very athletic. They have some talented players uh, in uh, Quinterly and a uh, uh, really athletic freshman. His name I can't remember. Top of my head. That's a fun hair. J.D. Davison. Uh, yeah, Davidson. Yeah, yeah, they have like they definitely have some talent. I think they're the better team than either Rutgers or Notre Dame but I don't know if I can trust them uh, in a tournament game. Rutgers has some really big wins on its schedule. Rutgers is a similar team, actually. They have some really big wins on their schedule as well, but also some pretty bad losses. So I'm really not sure who I'm going to pick in this game. Yeah, I mean, I share a lot of those same sentiments. Uh, I feel like Alabama has been the more inconsistent team for me because Watching them, like you said, they're not a very good three-point shooting team, but they shoot so many threes. I don't know how many threes they average a game, but that is like a majority of their offensive possessions, I feel like. So a lot of times it comes down to, can they get offensive rebounds? Yeah. Uh, and, th- and that's kind of more their offense. I've liked how Rutgers has looked better in their games that they did win. Um, you know, they had, like, like you mentioned, they had some really impressive wins against teams like Wisconsin, uh, Purdue, uh, Illinois, some of the, like the top 10 teams in the country. And I think what it comes down to for them is, you know, can they just execute um, their game plan? And I think that's what happens in those games that they do execute their game plan and run their offense. Um, I, I think that they're one of the best teams 
um, that we have in the field. So I'm going to pick Rutgers to win Notre Dame, who, or to beat Notre Dame uh, initially, who I mentioned I don't feel even deserves to be in the field. And then I think they're going to upset Alabama. And in addition, um, I think like every year for the past five years or so, one of the first four teams has won its first yeah. round game. So, and, and we saw with uh, UCLA, they were able to make a final four run out of the first four. So um, definitely, I think you need to pick one of those teams this year. And for me, it's going to be Rutgers. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think it is an advantage um, to the play-in teams um, that they get a game to, to, to warm get up their jitters out, get mm-hmm. warm up, get to play. Um, uh, and uh, get get to play before their opponent has even had a chance to on that stage. And, and also if you're one of the last teams in, you don't have anything to lose. Like any win is, is gravy. Um, so I, I agree with that. My only worry is that if Notre Dame wins, because if Notre Dame wins, I would pick Alabama. But if Rutgers wins, I'm thinking along the same lines of you. I would, I would, I think Rutgers has a good chance there. But uh, I might be making that pick on Wednesday, Wednesday night after Wednesday night after the game. After the game, I think Rutgers will win though, because I, I, I mean, like you said, it's hard to say though, because they've really dropped some confusing games as well. So it's hard to say. Uh, next matchup, we have uh, number three seeded Texas Tech versus the number fourteen seed Montana State. Um, you got? Do you have Montana State here, Brady? Uh, no. I honestly don't know anything about Montana State, um, and I don't need to. Texas Tech has been very impressive for me this season. Their ability to defend is one of the, like one of the top in the country. A, a lot of the top teams in the Big Twelve are very good defensive teams, and I think between Terrence Shan Jr. Um, Kevin McCuller, all those guys that they have, Kevin O'Banner, Williams O'Banner, yeah, Bryson Williams as well. They've got Silva, plenty of Silva offensive west, of weapons as well. Yeah, so I I think they're going to be looking really good. So definitely picking them to win um, that first game. Uh, next matchup we have Michigan State Spartans versus the Davidson Wildcats uh, for the seven ten matchup. Um, I think this will be a close one. Um, Michigan State has kind of limped their way to the finish line. They did perform decently well in the uh, the Big Ten tournament, uh, beating – I think they beat Wisconsin, didn't they? I believe so, yeah. So that's a good win to kind of move into the tournament. But overall, they've kind of been – they've been very sporadic throughout the season. Um, we actually talked about them in the middle of the season, and – they had like one game they beat uh I can't remember. They beat like a top seeded team and then like the very next game it was like a quad three loss. So yeah, you just don't know what you're getting with them. Um let's see. I think the key for them is gonna be their big men, uh Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham, how they play. Uh Marcus Bingham did play pretty well in the, the Big Ten tournament. So if he He's continues a- that, huh? Bingham's very good on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if, if he's going to be able to control the lane, I always feel like he's better than he is. Like when I watch him, I think he's a guy who's kind of a 15 and 10 guy, but he's not, he's he only has like nine points a game and six rebounds, yeah. a game. but he does have 2.2 blocks a game. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be interesting. But Davidson, Davidson is a, is a, is a team that thrives on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. They shoot very well from three. So I'm not sure 
how much of an impact they'll be able to have down low, but that will be the matchup to watch. No, yeah, my have... my concern with Michigan State is just being able to score because they, they haven't had a consistent score throughout the season. Max Christie has shown signs of promise, but he's been pretty streaky. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think if they're able to work the ball inside a little bit more to uh, manufacture some offense there, I think that's going to be the key for them to, to move past Davidson. But do they, Jordan? Who do you have? Who do you got? I do have the Spartans. Okay. What about you? Right now I'm leaning towards Davidson just because of how well, uh, how efficient their offense is, how well they move the ball, how well they shoot the three. And uh, if they have a good day behind the arc, they'll have a good chance to take down Michigan State. And Michigan State has also been sporadic. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State won, but I have Davidson in this matchup. Yeah, that's always so hard with teams that are, you know, perimeter heavy teams that are reliant on the three. You just, it just all hinges on how they're shooting that day. Yep. And, you know, like you mentioned, if they, if Davidson has a good shooting game, I think they're going to win, but, but yeah, I'm going to pick Michigan state there. All right. And then we have Duke CSU Fullerton. I think we're just both going to pick Duke here. Yep. yep. So much to discuss yeah, here. not really discuss that. Okay. So moving on to the round of 32 games. Um, so for me, I would have Gonzaga um, facing off against Memphis in that one nine game. And I think it will be a tough team uh, for Gonzaga to face, especially in the second round. I feel like that was a little bit rough. I feel like that was a, a rough eight nine matchup to put the top over, you know, the overall number one seed against in the second round. But whatever, I think they still move past uh, move move past them and get to the Sweet Sixteen. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I have Gonzaga as well. I think yeah. Gonzaga's. The there's there's not a lot of dependable teams in this tournament. Um, as in years past, there's been a few teams that we thought were an echelon better than everyone, but there's really not much of a difference between if you look from honestly from the one seeds to like the three seeds, like all of those, I feel like they're pretty much on the same level. But if I had to pick yeah. one team to bet my life on to consistently play well, it would be Gonzaga. Same. Okay, and then um, I guess for me in my round of 32 matchup, I have UConn versus Arkansas. Um, I'm going to pick UConn here over Arkansas. I think the experienced guard play of UConn between Tyrese Martin and RJ Cole is going to push them over the top against a streaky Arkansas team. And I actually have um, Vermont versus UConn in this game, and I have I have Vermont um, sneaking their way into the round of sixteen. Wow! Um, so I I really like Vermont's big guys shoot pretty well on the outside, um, to my understanding, and they they they're a good shooting team in general, and they also uh, are strong enough on the defensive end. So UConn presents a challenge. Both UConn and Arkansas really present a challenge with their big guys who are very athletic. They have some very athletic bigs. Um, so if Vermont is able to handle them, if, if I think if Vermont's able to handle Arkansas, they're going to be able to handle UConn. That's my thought process. Here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have, I have UConn taking on Gonzaga as of now. 
as of now. Yeah. Might change in the might change, but in the next I'm few days. At. Okay. Um, and then the next matchup for me, I have Rutgers playing Texas Tech. Um, and yeah, I think this is where Rutgers run ends. I think they'll, you know, win that first round game, but then losing the second round to Texas Tech. Like I said before, I, I feel like Texas Tech is another one of those dependable teams um that you mentioned just because of their defense and then with all the weapons that they have on offense you know i feel like you know if one of those guys in the starting lineup is having a bad night someone else will step up so picking texas tech to move ahead there yeah they're just too their guards are too big and athletic um and with o'banner having uh his experience in his run with Oral roberts last year um I think Texas Tech's going to be a strong team and they're going to win that one as well. And then, yeah, for this next matchup, I have Duke, Michigan State, um, Tom Izzo versus uh, Mike Krzyzewski for the last time potential. I mean, if this happens, <laughs> I think this will be a great game, great matchup. But yeah, I think Duke is too athletic for Michigan State to keep up with. Paul Bencaro is going to be a matchup nightmare for anyone on the Michigan State front line. And um, and then I think Wendell Moore Jr. will also have a good game. So picking Duke to move forward. Yeah, and I have Duke and Davidson, but I also have Duke uh, just being a little too good in this game as well. And yeah. Then, so in that elite, uh, in that uh, round of Sweet 16 matchup, we have Gonzaga and you have UConn. I have Vermont. Um, I have Gonzaga moving on to the Elite Eight. Uh, do you have the same result? Yep, I also have Gonzaga moving on. I don't think UConn's going to be able to keep up with them offensively. Okay, and then this would be an interesting matchup if it comes to fruition, Texas Tech and Duke. Yeah, that would be interesting. I And yeah, for me, I'm still going to rely on, you know, defense wins championships, and Texas Tech has such a good defensive team. I think they're going to edge out Duke here. Yeah, I do as well. Um Duke has had, they have a lot of talent, but sometimes they have kind of an identity crisis of, of offensively of how they want to run their offense, um, who's who they want to run their offense through and how they want to get uh, Ben Carroll the ball. And if you're playing Texas Tech, you better know what you're doing going in because they will, um, they do not give you any room to breathe. Uh, I have Texas Tech making it to the Elite Eight, take on Gonzaga, and then I have Gonzaga heading to the Final Four once again. See here, I'm actually going to pick the Red Raiders to get past uh-huh. the Bulldogs to move on to the Final Four. It's hard for me because, like you said, Gonzaga is one of the more dependable teams this year, but they have show, shown signs of like struggle throughout the season. Um, and I don't think this Gonzaga team is as good as the Gonzaga team last year. They did lose to St. Mary's early on in the season. So, you know, it's that's shown that they can struggle against teams that have those tougher defenses. And Texas Tech is a better defense than um, St. Mary's, I would say. So, yep, I'm picking Texas Tech to move on to the Final Four. Okay, that's an interesting one. I'm looking up right now because I'm pretty sure these teams played at the beginning of the year. And I'm pretty sure the result was not very close. Yeah, Gonzaga won uh, in the Jerry Colangelo Classic in uh, December, 69 to 55 against Texas Tech. 
Um, I mean, that's not like way far out. And that's back when Terrence Shannon Jr. wasn't playing at that point, if I'm recalling correctly. Hmm. So I think that'll make a difference for sure. Could be. Also, on that note, Terrence Shannon Jr. is very talented, but he's also a little bit of a nutcase. Uh, I mean, he is. There's been some circumstances earlier this year in close games for Texas Tech where he was like waving away the head coach and like yelling at the head coach because he wanted to win the game all by himself and not like run a play or not call a timeout to set up for the last shot. And then he got the last shot and was very, took a really bad shot. Like there's been there and that's happened multiple times. I'm a little worried about him in close games and Texas tech in close games, but that will be something to watch perhaps for the red Raiders. Is there a matchup in this in this West bracket before we move on um, that you're most excited about maybe in the first round or, or later on, like the two teams you want to see play? Yeah, I think, I think as far as the first round matchup, I think it's going to be Boise State and Memphis. I think that's going to be a good game. Um, yeah, what about you? Um. I mean, the first round's all about upsets for me. So the two the two most likely upsets are Connecticut, New Mexico State, and then Arkansas, Vermont. So those are the ones I'll be most interested in to see. As far as just a basketball standpoint of teams I want to see play each other, um, Michigan State, Duke would be fun. And then Gonzaga, either Gonzaga, Duke, or Gonzaga, Texas Tech, one of those one of those matchups. The, the Gonzaga-Duke game earlier in the year was one of the best college yeah, basketball Yeah, that was a close season. game. That was awesome. So, so yeah. I would like to see a rematch of that as well. So there's a few good uh, good potential matchups and a, and a couple opportunities for some major upsets in this bracket. Yep, I agree. How do you feel um, the committee did at putting Gonzaga in a good bracket? Like, do you feel like they, they have a tough road to the Final Four compared to some of the other teams? Or do you feel like this was like a good spot for them to be? That's a good question. Um, I feel like their top side of the bracket is fair. That makes sense with with UConn and Arkansas as the four and five. Um, but overall, I would say. probably can't uh, I don't know it's tough I feel like they the committee did a pretty decent job this year I don't have a I don't have a major problem I feel like there's that their quarter of the bracket is um, not substantially worse or better than the other ones if that makes sense yeah Baylor probably Baylor probably got the worst draw mm-hmm. um but they weren't but that they were like the worst yeah. over, you know, the worst number right. one seed as well. So, yeah, yeah. So I feel fine. like it was, I feel like it was pretty good. The only thing I, like I mentioned before, I feel like they did get the hardest eight, nine matchup, but you know, what are you going to do there? I don't know. Seton Hall TCU. That'll be tough um, too. Yeah. And then, like I said, Baylor is, could get North Carolina in the second round. And I know this yeah. isn't the same North Carolina team as in years past, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I agree, but also 
I don't fully agree. <laughs> kind of analysis you get on this. Podcast. Yeah, that's great. Love that. So committal. All right, so let's move on to the next region, uh, which is the East region. Um, and we were just barely talking about Baylor. They're playing Norfolk State in the first round, and obviously we're going to pick them to move past. Um, a caveat with Baylor going into this tournament, though, I think we need to mention is, you know, that they, they have finished somewhat strong uh, throughout the rest of the season. They did lose to Oklahoma in the Big 12 tournament. Um, and they do still do have LJ Cryer, who's been their leading scorer throughout the year, who's out with an injury, in addition to Jonathan Chamuachachua, who's kind of their six-man glue guy who does a lot of the intangibles for them, rebounding defense and stuff like that. So that's something to keep in mind uh, oh. with them. Um, I don't think they have – were you saying they have them or they, they don't have either of them, right? Yeah, just I was saying both of them are injured. Okay, yeah, just to be yeah. clear. LJ Cry- it sounds like LJ Cryer, there's a potential for him to come back. They keep uh, listing him as a game-time decision, but um, – but he's but been yeah. out for 11 of the last 12 games. And uh-huh. even if he does come back, he's not going to be in game shape. Yep. He's not yep. going to be the same kind of player as before. And then they still have Flo Thamba, who's a, who is, who plays very, a very similar role as uh, Um, So they still have rim protection, but not quite in the same level as they did before. But that is definitely important to mention for this team. Yeah. Anyway, so the 8-9 matchup is, yeah, like we mentioned before, North Carolina and Marquette. Um, who do you have here, Brady? Uh, I have North Carolina just honestly just because I don't want to see Shaka Smart win. Um, <laughs> and, and there's really no reason to believe that he will because he didn't win any tournament games for six years at Texas. And Marquette, they're fine. They're a good team, but they're they're not – anything special. I think North Carolina has more talent um, from top to bottom with uh, Armando Baycott and, and uh, Caleb Love and Brady Manick. Like, I think they have more firepower in this matchup. Yeah, I agree. Marquette has been a streaky team and they've not been on a good streak as of late. So, and, you know, I, I can't pick against the Tar Heels, especially in their first round. Um and I think the Tar Heels have been playing better down the stretch of the season. They had that big win over Duke, which was awesome. It all for North Carolina, it all hinges on the play of um, of RJ Davis and Caleb Love for them. And you know they they've been really kind of inconsistent, but when they play well, North Carolina wins games. They you know they always get a consistent performance from Armando Baycott, in addition to Brady Manick, who's been just such a bright spot for them this year, you know, transferring from Oklahoma has been leading the team in three point shooting and three point field goal percentage. Um, so definitely picking them to move past Marquette in that first round matchup. Uh, next game, we have St. Mary's at the five seed playing the winner of Wyoming and Indiana. I think this is another uh, interesting matchup. What are your thoughts here? Now, this is a, this is an interesting one. I, I, I have not seen Wyoming play this year. To be honest, um, I have heard that they've been pretty good, and they have a couple uh, guards. Do they have brothers on this team? I can't remember. They have a couple guards who are pretty talented. They have a couple guards that are um, pretty good. And um, let me pull up the names real quick. I had them listed here. 
Um, I mean, it was Jeffries and Maldonado, I believe. Maldonado is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, they're both pretty good. Jeffries is shooting like almost 50% from three, I believe. He's, yeah, he's been great. And in addition, Wyoming also has uh, Graham E.K., who's their post, who they run a lot of their offense through, and he's just a very physical um, post presence. So, And then on the other side, does Indiana, they, in the last year, I know, they had a talented young forward, 6'10 forward. Yep, they still have Trace Jackson Jr. Or Trace, Trace Jackson Davis. Gotcha. Yeah, so that guy's still there as well. So both these guys have... Uh, both these teams have some talent there. I'm not bought in on St. Mary's. I haven't been all year. I've watched them several times. They are the same old St. Mary's team they always are. And that means that they're going to be good and they're going to be solid. They're going to be patient. They're, they're going to be disciplined defensively, but they're not that talented. They're not a particularly great shooting team. Um, I don't think that um, their, their big guy that they run their offense through is that good i think if whenever he plays uh posts who are big and athletic and also talented that he gets he can get shut down pretty easily and if he's playing teams that are not as talented or as physical then he he can be a factor but against indiana especially i don't think he'll be much of a factor and i think wyoming is good enough offensively to be able to handle st barry's style of play so i I have, I have the 12 seed um, taking out St. Mary's in this game. Yeah, same. I, I don't know who's going to win between Wyoming and Indiana. I think that'll be a close game. But I think whoever comes out of that game is going to beat St. Mary's for a lot of those reasons you just mentioned. Um, I mean, St. Mary's tries to run their offense a lot through Kuzi, who it feels like he's one of the guys, like the old guys that I would play church ball with. The way that he plays basketball, like he's very yeah. slow and methodical, not very athletic. Um, but he can make shots. Um, and yeah, I think either Graham EK or Trace Jackson Davis is going to be a matchup nightmare for Toss, the, the center for St. Mary's, because he's not very athletic or coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, that, was, that felt so mean saying that, but he just, just, just compared to those guys. And yeah, like you mentioned, Trace Jackson Davis has got tremendous talent and athleticism. So if Indiana makes it out, I think they're definitely making it past St. Mary's. Yeah, but as I say that, though, it's hard for me to pick them because I've picked against St. Mary's all year, and they've... And they are, yeah, it's hard. wedding. Uh, I, I said earlier, and I think on our last podcast, the win, their win against Gonzaga at home was one of the most shocking, uh, probably the most shocking upset of the year uh, to me. Yeah. Even though St. Mary's is considered to be a good team, I didn't think they could compete with Gonzaga and they won pretty handily in that game so we'll see but I still I'm trusting my eyes and my eyes say St. Mary's isn't that good uh, definitely not as good of a as a five seed so I'm picking either one of those teams to beat St. Mary's and uh, and move on but the next matchup we have UCLA as the four taking on Akron as the 13 um do you think the zips have a chance jordan um i'm gonna go with no it's actually interesting um so you know akron made it out of the mac they beat kent state in the mac championship game and a caveat to that game is kent state was without four of its players due to suspension um there was a 
a, a fiasco where the Kent State players apparently posted some pretty crude stuff on social media about the uh, Akron players. And that's what warranted this the suspension because otherwise, I don't know if Akron even makes it in this game. They played Kent State twice earlier in the season and lost both of those games. So, um, and I mean, honestly, I haven't really watched Akron play. I know they have some good post play, um, some talent that potentially could be could could be NBA talent. But um, yeah, I'm not going to pick them to move past UCLA. Yeah, Akron has that uh, UCF USF transfer that BYU fans may be familiar with, uh, Xavier Castaneda. Um, so, 37.6% three point shooter. And they have a big guy. He's relatively big. He's only 6'8", but he averages 14 uh, points a game, Ali Ali. So they have some talent. Um, I would think, though, with UCLA, UCLA has been pretty good this year. Uh, and with their experience in the tournament last year, bringing a lot of guys back, especially at, at the guard positions, I would think UCLA, I, I'd be surprised if they, if they lost in the first round here. Yeah, really the only head scratchers on UCLA's schedule this year has been Oregon, losses to Oregon. Other than that, it's been, you know, all top 25 teams that they've lost to. So, yep, definitely looking for UCLA to move on there. Um, And then next we have your Texas Longhorns playing against the Virginia Tech Hokies. What are your thoughts on this game? Do you think the Longhorns have what it takes to to break the drought of no NCAA tournament wins? Yeah, it's been a while since they've, They've won and turn a uh, game in the NCAA tournament, but I think this is the year. I think they're going to get past West or Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a very hot team. Uh, they won the ACC, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're the yep. ACC conference champions or tournament champion, conference tournament champions. Um, so they're playing well coming in. I don't know if they would have made the tournament had they not done so well in the conference. Uh, oh, they definitely wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, so yeah. So take that in mind. And then they, they have won a lot of their last games. So they're coming in hot, but they haven't played a lot of good teams because the ACC hasn't been that great. They're also not a particularly large team. They shoot a lot of three pointers and Texas is a very good perimeter team on the perimeter. The problems, the teams that Texas is lose to loses to are teams that are very big and athletic or have guards who are really athletic because Texas isn't that athletic. They're very well-coached defensive team who can struggle a little bit on offense. Um, but if you're, so, so if you have a team that is just bigger and athletic and can just dominate the boards and, and, and really stagnate Texas's offense, you have a good chance of winning. And I don't think Virginia Tech can do that. Um, so I feel pretty comfortable actually, even, despite Virginia Tech actually being, the favorite uh, among fan picks right now, what I'm looking at, uh, I think Texas is going to be able to win the first game. I wanted to pick Texas here, Brady. I really did, but I just can't seem to do it because Texas has just not shown that they can consistently score the basketball. They're one of the top defensive teams in the country. um, But it's been so weird for me to see this Texas team with players that have been, you know, top scores at the schools that they transferred from, you know, like we mentioned, like Tony Allen. And then, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of good offensive weapons, but there doesn't seem, 
they still haven't seemed to have found what works for them on offense, at least in my opinion. And Virginia Tech has found what works for them on offense. Uh, between um, Hunter Couture, who I think shot like six, six of seven from three in that ACC uh, championship game. Um, they also have uh, Justin Mutz, who plays very physical down low. I think he's going to um, be able to handle the Texas bid men and also get some offensive rebounds to help out the Hokies there. And then, um, I mean, Virginia Tech also has some really good guard play with uh, Storm Murphy. And then Kevin Aluma is just a tremendous all-around scorer as well. So uh, this, was, this was kind of a toss-up for me to pick, but I think Virginia Tech, uh, just with all the momentum that they have, are, is going to be able to make it past the Texas Longhorns. I mean, Virginia Tech, they only have, th- they only have three quad one wins all season. Um, and they run a kind of a slow tempo offense that that Texas Texas also is one of the slowest teams. So they're, they're going to play Texas's defensive game that Texas is better at. And they definitely have a chance if they like if that dude shoots six or seven from three, like if they shoot like that, then, yeah, they could they could win the game. But I think Texas has a better defense than anyone in the ACC. And I don't anticipate them, uh, Virginia Tech, being able to play quite as well on the perimeter. And I, I'm not scared of their big guys because Texas Texas's problem is that they're undersized. They don't have right now pretty much they only have Christian Bishop and Christian Bishop's like six, eight, six, nine. And he's tough and he's physical and he, he does a good job. But he's that that's the main weakness for this team is that they don't have uh, big athletic guys down low that they can help facilitate the offense through. But against a team like Virginia Tech, I don't think they need to. So uh, you're sleeping on Justin Mutz, man. Justin Mutz will get you. I think he's good. I think he's six seven, and so I'm not that. Yeah. I'm not that scared from a physical. He's a long six seven though. Got a long yeah. wingspan. Anyways, yeah, we can move past that game. I think it will be really close. It was a toss up for me. I can see it going either way. So I'm not. We'll uh, once again, I'm not. I'm not super confident because you are definitely right that that Texas. Uh, not not every not a uh, the same team doesn't show up every 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 game. day. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, next matchup is uh, Purdue Boilermakers versus the Yale Bulldogs. You picking an upset here? Uh, nope. I got Do you think it'll be a close game. game, though? Do you think it'll be close? Do you think they'll cover uh, the spread? No. I have no idea what the spread no, is, don't. but I still don't think they'll cover it. Yeah, the spread is 15 and a half. So. And honestly, Yale wasn't the best team overall in the Ivy League. I think Princeton was a lot better team, but they yeah. Princeton lost to Yale in the uh, Ivy League championship. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a blowout. Um, and, yeah, okay. Um, next game. Murray State, San Francisco. I think this is going to be one of the best games. I think this is the game I'm most looking forward to in this uh, in this region of the bracket is Murray State and San Francisco. Because both of these teams, I think, are very good. Um, Murray State is 30-2 and two on the year and undefeated in their conference, um, scoring almost 80 points a game. And then San Francisco has, has those two guards who, on any given night, uh, especially – uh, Shabazz can really give it to you, but also Bouye. Um, those those are guys who who are very similar to others who make big time uh, NCAA tournament runs. Is having a couple of experienced guards like that who can really shoot the ball. 
Um, but that said, like I said, Murray State has been excellent all year long, and they have um, some experienced guards and a, a good center in KJ Williams as well. Five and one in quadrants one and two. Um, they won against Memphis uh, in the non-conference. They're pretty efficient team as well. I would be a good matchup. Who do you think is going to win this one, though, Jordan? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining game because, like you said, both of these teams are have very potent offenses. Um, the scoring trio of Williams, Brown, and Hill from Murray State is going to be fun to watch against those guards that you mentioned from San Francisco. Um, I think I'm going to give the edge to Murray State because uh, they've they've just performed very well this season, as you mentioned, thirty and two. I think that's I mean that's the best record in in the. Uh, in the field this year, granted, you know, not as good opponents, but yeah, I think they're going to edge out San Francisco. Yeah. I also have Murray State in this game, but I, like I said, I think it's going to be a very fun one to watch. Okay. And then last game for this region or of the first round, I guess, um, is Kentucky St. Peter's. And I think we're both going to pick Kentucky there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good about this Kentucky team going into this tournament. They have kind of struggled. They've been a little inconsistent throughout the season, but overall, they're very talented. Um, so Kentucky moving forward there. Um, okay. Round of 32 matchup. I mean, first game I have Baylor, North Carolina, a big part of me wanted to pick North Carolina here, you know, my inner Tar Hill fan and especially considering, like we mentioned, the injuries that Baylor has suffered. But, I mean, Baylor has still performed pretty well down the stretch despite those injuries, and North Carolina just hasn't been consistent enough for me to trust them in the situation, so I'm still going to pick Baylor to move forward. Yeah, I also have Baylor in this game. Um, I don't think this is a good matchup for North Carolina uh, with with Flo Thamba in the paint um, and Akinjo running the show on offense, I think Baylor. I just don't think it's a good matchup for North Carolina, but uh, it will that that this will probably be the best game of. Well, I don't know actually. There's a few good games. I really like this this region overall, but I I have Baylor and taking it as well. Okay, and then for. The next matchup I have, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Indiana. Say that Indiana wins uh, both of those previous games, and um, and then facing off against UCLA, and then yeah, I think that's where Indiana's run will end, and I think UCLA will move forward. I think the like you mentioned the experience of Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, and Jaime Hawkes. Um, I think it's gonna be too much for Indiana to handle. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, if I had to pick, I would say Wyoming. Uh, would be playing UCLA, but I also have UCLA with their experience and talent um, getting to the Sweet 16. And then the next game is Texas and Purdue. For me, but you all have Virginia Tech and Purdue. Uh, is Virginia Tech going to go any further than this, or do you have the Boilermakers um, going to the Sweet 16? Definitely have the Boilermakers going to the Sweet 16. There's no way I mean, like you mentioned, like Justin Mutz is a bit undersized. So when he comes up against Zach Eady and Travion Williams, it's going to be game over. Um, 
Plus, I don't think they have anyone to really guard Jaden Ivey. I mean, not a lot of teams do have someone to guard Jaden Ivey. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think all around the board is going to be a matchup nightmare for, for the Hokies. So I think Purdue's moving on. Uh, what about you? Do you think your Longhorns can make it past the Boilermakers? I do not. I think this is going to be it for Texas, although this could be a sneaky good game um, because Texas does have someone to guard Jaden Ivey. Uh, Courtney Ramey has shut down um, uh, Ojai Abaji for Kansas on multiple occasions and could potentially do so to someone like Jaden Ivey. Um, and once again, Texas perimeter defense is good enough that they'll be, they could be able to hold Purdue to a below average shooting night on the perimeter. But my concern is what you mentioned before with Williams and, uh, this is a big seven, three guy. Zach Edie. Edie. Yeah. I, I don't think Texas will have an answer for those guys. And I think Purdue is gonna, gonna win this game. Um, but it should, should be a close game. Okay. Um, next in the matchup. Wait, did you have Murray State moving forward? You did, right? I did. So we both had Murray State and Kentucky facing off in the second round. Who do you have here? Oh, this is this is a tough game. So this is actually the best game of this round of the region, in my opinion. Um, two teams from the state of Kentucky facing off, and. I really want to pick Murray State. I have them currently picked to beat Kentucky, uh, but it's really hard to do so with with con- how, just how much talent is on that Kentucky roster, especially um, led by uh, their big forward, whose name I can't say. Uh, Oscar, Oscar Shibway. 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 That's right. He's a he is so dominant on the boards, um, and competitive down low i uh, I'm, I'm torn right now i have murray state moving on but i think this is going to be a great game i also have murray state moving on gotta uh, love the racers and here's what it is for me it's so hard because i do feel like this kentucky team is better than kentucky teams in years past because they have more experience they have a more balanced team you know they've got guys like grady that can shoot the ball, Severe Wheeler, who's a tremendous ball handler and floor general. And then, like you mentioned, Oscar Shibway, who, who um, is, you know, front runner for player of the year, um, who's like a walking double-double. Yep. It's hard because, yeah, they're so – they've got so much talent. And then also not even to mention Ty Ty Washington and yep. uh, Obi Toppin's younger brother, whatever his name is. I think Jacob, Jacob Toppin. I – you know, they've still just been a little inconsistent throughout the season. And, you know, they've lost to Tennessee twice now in the season. And I think Murray State has, like, similar – a similar style to, to Tennessee. I mean, it's it's hard to compare those, but they both have very quick guards that can get up and down the floor and then are good at forcing turnovers. So I think that's going to be Kentucky's Achilles heel, and the Racers are going to move on to the Sweet 16. The matchup in this game to really be watching um... – is Murray State's junior center, K.J. Williams, who averages 18 points a game, but also 8.6 rebounds a game um, against um, Shibwe. Because the Racers are 11th nationally 
in offensive rebounding. And then obviously Sheepway, like, like not even exaggerating when he's on the floor, half of all rebounds go to him. I'm pretty sure that's an actual statistic. Like I'm yeah. not making that up. So that will be an interesting, like if, if Murray state can get on the boards, uh, despite Sheboy, they got a real chance, but if she can, can erase all those second chance shots for the racers, then Kentucky has, a, you know, with their talent has a, has a good chance to win that game, but it should be a good one to watch. Yeah. It's so hard for me. Cause like Kentucky is a team. Like I feel like they either lose this game or they make it to the final four, the final it's, four. Right. It's so yep. hard for, yeah, it's so hard. Um, so anyways, um, moving on to the uh, Sweet 16 matchups. Um, so I have Baylor and UCLA. And I think this is where the injuries from Baylor catch up to them. I think they're going to struggle to score down the stretch. I think the experience of UCLA is going to move them past the Baylor Bears and the Baylor Bears are going home. Yep, I have the same thing. I have UCLA. Oh, wow. I was not expecting that. Well, I guess that maybe I was, but... Um, so, yeah, so we got the Bruins moving forward. Um, and then we both have Purdue and Murray State in that matchup as well. Who are you picking there, Brady? I have Purdue. I also have Purdue. I want to pick Murray State, but I think it's I think it's going to be too much for them to handle. Again, like, it's so hard to match up against Zach Eady and Travion Williams for any team. And, uh, I mean, we saw that so with so many teams in the Big Ten this year. And then um, – it is hard though, because Purdue has been somewhat inconsistent throughout the season. Yep. So I could see them dropping a game like this, but I think that they're, I think they're going to make it past. They've also been inconsistent in previous tournaments because this is not the first. This is not the first time I picked Purdue to go far in the tournament and they get dropped in the second round. So I'm a little wary of how far I have Purdue going. Um, I just yeah. I just look at their roster and their team with Ivy. And who's the white dude who shoots threes really well? Stevanovich. Stevanovich and Williams and Edie. And I look at their team and I was like, they should not be losing to most teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're really starting good. They're starting five. Or they're, I mean, I guess I can't say they're starting five because Trayvon Williams doesn't actually start. He comes off the bench. But that's exactly. Their five best players compete with any team, basically any team in the country. Right. But it's like, do those players show up? on any given night. And sometimes I think Jaden Ivy has a tendency to force the issue and, you know, turn the ball over, which can be costly, you know, in close games. Well, and it is costly in close games. So that's something to be concerned about as well, but I still think they're going to make it to the elite eight. So, but so, so we both have Purdue and Illinois make, or, I mean, not Illinois, um, UCLA. UCLA making to the elite eight. Do you have, who do you have moving past that? I have Purdue winning again uh, okay. against yep. UCLA. So I have Purdue going to the final four, which I'm not super confident about. Yep. I also have Purdue moving to the final four as well, which same. I'm also nervous about that. I'm pretty confident about them getting to the sweet 16. Um, but yeah. Beyond that with either if it's Murray state or if Kentucky wins, I think either of those teams uh, could definitely think, beat, yeah, beat Purdue. So yeah, it'll be tough. Um, but yeah, um, so I think you kind of already mentioned 
the games that you are most excited about from this region. And I think those are the same games that I'm excited about. I think I would also add um, Texas Virginia Tech. I'm excited to watch that game because I'll be interested to see if the Hokies can keep riding their momentum that they have from the ACC tournament. Um, and then let's see, what else did we want to ask? Oh, yeah, most likely a Cinderella team from this region. I mean, we both picked Wyoming and Indiana. Um, and I would say that that has the most likely to make a, a Cinderella run, you know, the winner of that game. What would you say? So what do you mean by Cinderella what, run? Do so maybe most likely to, the to win 16. the first. To the Sweet 16. To the Sweet 16. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably just based on their matchups. Mm-hmm. Um. I would agree with that. I, I, I think, man, more, just looking at Murray State got screwed looking at this, going back to snubs. They're 30 and two as a seven seed. And then you get San Francisco, who's a really good 10 seed, in my opinion, and then Kentucky and then Purdue. If you make it, like that's, yeah, maybe, maybe we didn't discuss them previously, but Murray State may have got uh, ripped off. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially- um, like St. Mary's is a five and they're in a little conference. LSU is well. a six and LSU yeah. hasn't had a great resume. So yeah. even Alabama, I don't know if Alabama is a six either. So, yeah. So Murray state. Yeah. That's looking back at Murray state got screwed over, but I still think they're in a good position to make a run. So, um, okay. So that wraps up that region. Um, yeah, this, is, this has been fun so far. I'm excited to get to the second half of the bracket, but we're going to take a quick break, and, yeah, we'll wrap, wrap it up the rest of the, um, rest of the bracket in our next segment, so stay tuned. And welcome back. Thank you for joining us again as we uh, break down the second half of the 2022 NCAA tournament uh, bracket. We're going to be looking at the South and Midwest regions. And yeah, let's just get into it. Um, so first we have Arizona. You got picked up as, as a one seed facing off against the winner of Wright State and Bryant. And I mean, obviously, we're not going to pick either of these teams to make it past Arizona. However, I do want to mention, I think the Wright State Bryant game is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, got Peter Kiss who is actually the leading scorer in college basketball this year, at like 26 points a game. Um, so he's going to be fun to watch uh, against uh, Wright State, who's been, you know, a decent team. Um, and I think, I think it's going to be a fun game. I don't know. Uh, have you – do you know anything about either of these teams? Kiss plays for Bryant, right? Yep, Kiss plays, plays for Bryant. I was going to say, if you had to pick a 116 – this is the one. This is the game. Is Arizona yeah, and yeah. Bryant? If you had to pick one, I'm not. I'm not picking it. But for the record, if I had to, this would be the one to pick. And I think Bryant will like if they do make it past Bright State. I think they will give Arizona some troubles because number one, Arizona is going to be struggling a little bit. I think because they're going to be without um, uh, Chris. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that name right. He's from Estonia. Kirk Lisa. Oh, the big um, dude. No, 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 not the big dude. That's uh, Tabellus. No, um, okay. But Kalisa is their three-point shooter, um, kind of their main three-point shooter guy who makes um, – who kind of stretches the floor for them a lot. He's going to be out with an ankle injury. 
He well, it, it's possible that he could play, but probably not likely in this one sixteen matchup game. Uh, it's likely that he, you know, provided they, that they make it to the uh, the second round, that he could probably be in in that game. But uh, and in addition, I think uh, Bryant they play like a a kind of tricky half court uh, trap with uh, Peter Kiss at the top of that half court trap. So I think that will give uh, teams that are not used to that uh, some trouble. So. Again, I'm not going to pick Brian to win, but I think it will be an interesting matchup if they are able to, to make it. Okay, well, the next game is Seton Hall um, out of the Big East and TCU out of the Big 12. TCU is at 20 and 12 on the season, and Seton Hall is 21 and 10 on the season. Do you have, are you leaning one way or another in this eight and nine matchup, Jordan? Yeah, it's kind of a coin flip for me, but I think I am going to lean towards TCU. Um, you know, they had some really good wins this season against uh, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Texas. And um, I think their defense is going to be what um, gets them through this this matchup. And Seton Hall hasn't been super impressive to, for me, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little torn right now. I have TCU because TCU has been playing reasonably well the last few games. Uh, they have wins against Kansas and Texas. And Texas Tech, they beat Baylor. They beat, there's another team they beat recently too that was one of the top Big 12 teams. Um, but Seton Hall, man, they have, they have a lot of size. When they played Texas earlier in the season, um, they have a 6'10 and 7'2 big guys, Terry Samuel um, and Ike Ibaju, something like that, uh, who can clean up on the glass and uh, protect the paint pretty well. And so they may be able to handle Eddie Lampkin, but yeah, that'll be an, it'll be an interesting matchup. I have TCU right now, but Seton Hall is one to watch. Okay. Next matchup is number five, Houston Cougars versus the number 12 UAB Blazers. You picking the upset here? No, I, I have Houston. I know Houston uh, had some, injuries uh marcus sasser um is out for the season and and people thought that they'd be able to they would take a take a step back after that but they proceeded to go 15 and 3 in the conference um and uh i i think they're going to be able to handle uab i'm not super confident about that but i have houston winning the first round yeah i agree um you know, even though Houston is diminished, like like you said, they finished this season still pretty strong, and I don't think UAB UAB has enough firepower um, to compete with Houston. So I think they're going to make it past the Blazers. All right, next um, next matchup is Illinois versus Chattanooga, the four thirteen game. Who do you have here? So I heard from some of the experts, uh, quite a few of them were high on Chattanooga. Um, but I think Illinois, I, I think of Illinois in a similar manner as Purdue, where I look at the roster, I see Alfonso Plummer, I see, um, I see Kofi Co- uh, Coburn, um, and, and Trent Frazier and I see, and Curbelo, and I see a pretty solid, solid team that could make a run in this tournament. Uh, Illinois was a one seed in last year's tournament um 
and this year there are four and they've been pretty solid and Coburn has been one of the best big guys in all of college basketball and I see them uh, surviving the first round yeah I agree I do feel like this is somewhat of a trendy pick because Illinois has had some struggles throughout the season but granted a lot of that was due to injuries you know they had Kofi Coburn out with a few games due to a concussion and Andre Cabello was out for a lot of the season um so um but yeah like you said I think their starting five is competes with anyone in the country between Andre Cabello, Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier, Kofi Coburn. That's just too much firepower. And Chattanooga, it took a 30-foot shot in overtime against Furman for them to make it to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're a great team. They've got um, Malachi Smith, who's a great scorer, but I think they're just not going to be able to compete with the athleticism and skill of the fighting Illini. So... Illinois is moving forward. Um, next matchup is Colorado State versus Michigan. Um, I feel like I already know what you're going to say here because we both said that we didn't feel like Michigan even deserved to be in the tournament. But um, who who would your pick? Yeah, I, I mean, not particularly surprising. I have Colorado State in this game. Um, they have the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year, David Roddy, who uh, Roddy, Roddy. I'm not sure. I think it's Ro- I think it's Roddy. Roddy, yeah, okay. I mean, he's he's averaging 19 points, 0.4 points a game, 7.6 rebounds. He has three 30-point games. Um, he's a he's he's one of the best players in college basketball. Um, and this team um, went 12 and three in quad one and two games, 25 and five on the season. They were ranked at the beginning of the year, so this was a team that you know experts believe they were going to be good. Uh, they were going to be good at the beginning of the season. They have been good. They've been very consistent. And uh, I like Colorado State to win this game, even though right now I'm looking at the spread and Michigan's actually a two and a half point favorite. Um, and 55% of those uh, picking brackets on Yahoo Fantasy Sports have Michigan winning this game. So if you like to bet, you might want to go pick the Colorado State. Yeah, I agree. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, like like we said, that Michigan State is in the tournament in the first place and that they're also getting favored to win this game. Yeah, I, I think Colorado State is going to win. So if I was a betting man, my money would be on that game as Do well. Do you have any – we didn't cover this before. Um, are you're, Were you aware of the details of the Juwan Howard um, incident with uh, – team was that was was that wisconsin uh it was wisconsin yeah are you aware of the details of that incident jordan um i mean all i know is that he i mean he punched the i think it was the assistant coach for wisconsin after that game um, open hand got suspended open hand punch kind of what does that mean yeah. isn't that a slap it's kind of a slap but it wasn't like a slap it was like a punch but he kind of it looked like he was gonna like punch face and then he like, like kind palmed of, him yeah, he kind of palmed him he palmed his face yeah especially because it's john howard and his hands are freaking huge because he's like 610 he basically palmed this guy's face aggressively um and there was no reason for it and his action actually incited um more physicality like his players were holding him back or his coaches or someone and he specifically reached out to hit him uh, and honestly, his his reasoning for getting upset 
in the for the entire incident was ridiculous. His his blatant lying after the game to the media was ridiculous. If if you haven't watched, you should go watch the John Boy media breakdown on YouTube. There he kind of slow mows the like for five minutes of what happened, and he like does some lip reading and stuff. It's interesting. You should watch that after this podcast. Um, but Wait, what was the, the reasoning? Game, what was so, Juwan okay. Howard's reasoning? So Wisconsin was winning this game by like 10 points. Like they were easily winning. Um, and Wisconsin had put in all their backups and their walk-ons. Uh, and there's like 10 seconds left. Uh, and Michigan is full court pressing, even though they're down by 10. Um, and the, if I'm remembering cor- correctly, the Wisconsin guys kind of get into trouble in the backcourt. And the Wisconsin coach calls a timeout with like five seconds left, um, even though they're up by 10 points. And so this makes John Howard mad that he called a timeout because he felt like because they were winning, it was more sportsmanlike for them to just run the clock out because they were winning. And the Wisconsin coach after the game says, well, I didn't want to put my walk-ons in a bad situation. They're, they're going to have a 10-second violation. and." I called a timeout so they wouldn't be put in that position. And Juwan Howard says after the game, well, I was really mad because I felt like that was like unsportsmanlike to, to take that timeout and he should have just let the clock run out and he shouldn't be doing that. And then a, one of the reporters asked him point blank, well, if, if that's what you're upset about and you should have just let the clock run out and the game was over, why did, why were you pressing? Yeah. Why were you pressing these walk-ons? And he said, this was his general quote was, I wasn't pressing. I was running a full court man. And I was what? like, that is, That's that the is definition pressing. of a press. You, you think we're stupid? Like you, you were pressing, you were pressing full court in the backcourt. If you wanted the game to run out, you could have just not guarded them and they would have dribbled the ball out. And so he got really upset. Um, and and said so to the Wisconsin coach in the line as they were doing a handshake. And the Wisconsin coach tries to stop him and say like, well, wait, let me explain. Like I wasn't trying to be a jerk. Let me explain to you what happened. And Juwan Howard wasn't having any of that. Um, Juwan Howard claims that the Wisconsin coach in that line touched his chest. Like he reached out and touched touched him, put his hands on him. And he felt like that was over the line that he shouldn't be touching him, which is kind of fair, except for if you go back and look at the replay, he does not touch him. He doesn't even touch his arm, but he definitely doesn't trust his chest. Like he told, like Joan Howard tells the reporters. And then he gets into a scuffle. They all come together. And then he reaches over his own coach or player and punches with like an open fist, open face palms, one of the other Wisconsin coaches. And then it becomes more of an issue. And John Howard, he was only suspended for the rest of the regular season, I think five total games. So he will be coaching in the NCAA tournament, which is ridiculous considering he had another incident last year, I believe, or is either last year or the year before of a similar kind of incident that he started, um, started a scuffle as the head coach of Michigan. That's fine. I know, John Howard, you've been on the bench in the NBA for 10 years. And that's your job is to be the enforcer and to be a defender and kind of get into those things. That's fine if that's your role, but it's not your role if you're the head coach. 
Um, and I'm, I'm disappointed, honestly, for with Michigan that they haven't suspended him for at least the rest of the season. He shouldn't be coaching in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he's lucky to have a job um, as well, in my opinion. But I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that incident. I just wanted to talk about it because we haven't had a chance to. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I agree. That's, that's inexcusable. You can't, you can't allow that to happen, for, especially for like a, a program that gets as much national attention as Michigan does. So, um, yeah, definitely a suspension for the rest of the season was warranted, if not like firing him. Yeah. So, especially if this is a second offense, like, you know, because I, I don't remember the, um, the incidents that you're referring to from a couple years ago. But yeah, if he's already had an offense, he's already had like a warning. I feel like, yeah. But I guess you can get away with more stuff if you're Jawan Howard, if you're part <laughs> of the Fab Five, you know. Um, anyways. Okay. Well, um, so I can't remember. Did we actually pick? We did we make our picks for this game? I think we both said like Colorado, Colorado State. State. Okay, yeah. great. So Colorado State's moving forward. Yeah, I don't think Michigan State, Michigan's gonna be able to do anything. Um, and then next matchup we have Tennessee Volunteers versus the Longwood Lancers. Uh the Longwood Lancers have been on a tear recently. I think they've won like 20 of their last 21. They're 26 and 6 overall. Uh, granted, they haven't really been playing very strong opponents, but you picking the upset in this game? Um, I'm not. Uh, Longwood has been playing well. They're 15-1 in the Big South, and they, they shoot the ball pretty well. They shoot 38% behind the arc, one of the best teams in the country. Um, however, so, so if they shoot really well, they have a chance, especially with the Tennessee team that is – uh, can get stagnant on offense. However, I don't know who Longwood is. I've never heard of Longwood. So I don't know if I can pick them to win. <laughs> Same. So I have I have Tennessee, but that could be that could be one of those shocking upsets that no one really that no knew one about. No one sees coming. Yeah. Right now they only I only have 3.5% of users on on Yahoo have picked Longwood. So yeah. yeah, the the only um, major conference team that Longwood has played this year was Iowa, and they lost by thirty three. Okay. Um, so yeah, I yeah. don't think they're gonna. And in addition, Tennessee, you know, coming off an SEC tournament uh, championship. Yeah. And they're playing their best basketball right now. I think they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be fine. Um, next matchup, I think is an interesting one. We have Ohio state Buckeyes at the seven seed playing Loyola Chicago Ramblers at the 10. Um, I have right now, I have Ohio state. I'm banking on the fact that this team got upset, embarrassing in an embarrassing fashion in last year's NCAA tournament. And they do still have one of the best players in EJ Liddell in the bracket that they will come prepared. They won't take Loyola Chicago lightly and they'll be able to get this win. Um, but I'm not super confident. I'm not super confident in that either. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm going to take the Ramblers on this one. Really? Um, okay. Sister Jean, sister Jean's still, coming still through. She's still got. <laughs> I'm a... I was trying to say something without being like sacrilegious. I think I'm going to avoid that though. 
Um, <laughs> I think I think Loyola Chicago is going to come out on top. Ohio State has really limped in to this postseason. Um, really, they have no offense besides EJ Liddell. It's been so weird for me. Um, another good thing to mention is um, they're going to be without uh, Key and um, Young. So two of their big guys that usually start for them. And, you know, they're not like key offensive players, but they usually do a lot of the intangibles, like getting offensive rebounds and getting tough buckets at the mm-hmm. rim. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to make it past a good Loyola Chicago team who still has some players that are seniors this year that were on that final four run team a few years back. So I think the Ramblers are going to be able to make it past them. It's been so interesting because um, Justin Arns for Ohio state, he was one of the top three point shooters in the country um, last year and the previous year, but this year he's done like nothing. He's like not looked good at all. And cause, and that's, I think that's a big thing because, um, you know, Ohio State needs more ways to manufacture offense. And, yeah, I just don't think they're going to have enough. I think E.J. Liddell is going to have another good game, but I don't think they're going to have enough offense. So, yep, that's why I'm picking them to lose. Okay, you could be right. You could be right on that one. Um, do you think Delaware has a chance against Villanova? No, I do want to mention Delaware has Jameer Nelson Jr. on their team. Uh-huh. Uh, that's all. That's all I, have I to also say would there. like to mention that they're the Blue Hens, which is a fun, it's a cool nickname. That is that is pretty cool. Very yeah. unique. You know, blue hens. Don't see a lot of blue hens. Yeah. Okay. Um, so going back up to the uh, round of 32 games, uh, we both had TCU moving forward, right? Yeah. Or did you pick C? No, you picked no, TCU. I, I did pick TCU. Okay. So Arizona versus TCU, who you got? I, I have Arizona. In this game, Arizona's fast-paced, pretty good offensive team. Um, I think they'll be able to take care of TCU. Yeah, I agree. However, I'm going to say I think this might be the most likely eight, um, eight nine versus a one upset. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like I said, if uh, Kirk Lisa is still isn't playing at this point, I think that makes Arizona somewhat vulnerable, and they haven't played like a lot of very tough opponents this year. You know, they've made him in the Pac-12. Um, I mean, they have beat teams like Illinois throughout the season, so they're, they weren't completely untested in the non-conference. But, uh, but, yeah, I think they will make it past TCU. Yeah, and Mike Miles for TCU is one of the better guards in the Big 12. Um, yeah, he's, he's so, really good. So they have, they have a chance for sure. They've, they've had some good wins on the resume, but I think Arizona – um, I think Arizona has enough to get by TCU. In the next matchup, we have Houston as the five seed, or, and then uh, Illinois as the four seed. Yeah, I'm going to take Illinois here. Uh, I think they're just too physical, um, and especially with those injuries that Houston suffered earlier in the season, uh, lacking those players, I think is going to come in to play here. Um, who are you going to match up against, Kofi Coburn? I, I think they're they're rolling past. Yeah, I agree. I also have Illinois over Houston. And then we have Colorado State as the number six, taking on Tennessee, the three seed. Yeah, um, I'm still gonna pick Tennessee here. Um part of, this was kind of 
going, I went back and forth on this one a lot because I do so think Colorado State's going to be a tough matchup because they have a lot of big physical guards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the key thing for Tennessee is Tennessee's really good at making you turn the ball over. And I think yeah. Colorado State's going to be somewhat susceptible to that. Um, and I think that's going to be uh, a key factor in the game. So I'm picking the balls. Yeah, defense travels, uh, and Tennessee has been playing well as of late. Rick Barnes has experience in the NCAA tournament. I got Tennessee in this one as well. And then the last game of the round of 32, we have uh, – you have Loyola. I have Ohio State right now taking mm-hmm. on uh, Villanova. Um, do the Ramblers make another run, or does Villanova move on to the Sweet 16? I went back and forth on this game as well, but I think – the Wildcats are going to make it past this year because they just have too much experience between Colin Gillespie, arguably the best point guard in the country right now. Um, and then Jermaine Samuels, uh, Davis Moore. They, I think they're going to be fine. Yep. I also have Villanova moving on. Okay. Uh, and then who, who do you have winning in that elite eight matchup with Arizona and Illinois? Right now, I have Illinois um, in this game, not confidently. I might change that to Arizona in the future, but right now I have Illinois taking out Arizona. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup because these teams actually did meet back in December. Arizona edged Illinois out by four. Um, This is still when Andre Cabello was out, though, for injury, so that's going to make a difference for sure, and then there's still going to be the wild card. Is Kirk Lisa going to be playing at this point? I would say by this point, he probably would be because I think if I remember correctly, I think it's just a sprained ankle that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ankle injuries can be weird. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. Um, so, but I'm also going to take, I'm going to take Illinois here. I think, I think they're going to be playing their best basketball at this time of the season. I'm counting on it. They have just been so inconsistent. And I think their X factor is Andre Carbello. Because when he plays well and doesn't turn the ball over, Illinois looks unstoppable. Um, so, yep, picking the fighting line. Nice. All right. Um, and then the other side, we have Tennessee and Villanova. You got there. Yeah, it was hard. It's another hard matchup. I think this will be a really fun game to watch. This is actually probably one of the games I'm going to be more excited for in this region, if it happens, of course. Um, But, yeah, I still think the veteran guard play of Villanova is going to come through here. And they're not going to – they actually – you know, I mentioned before that Tennessee is one of the best teams in the country at forcing turnovers. Villanova is one of the best teams in the country at not – committing turnovers turning the ball over so they do one of the best jobs keeping uh taking care of the ball um like i said colin gillespie one of the best point guards in the country i think they're going to move move forward yeah i also have uh, that one's close that one's this one's a very close game for me is tennessee and villanova i i I had picked tennessee earlier but i think i'm changing my pick to villanova i also have villanova moving on to to face illinois um in the fleet eight and then who do you got moving on to the final four? I have Villanova. I have Villanova. Uh-huh. That's a change. I've, 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 I had Villanova losing Tennessee, and I've, I've changed it to them beating Tennessee and then also beating Illinois. So I just don't know if I can trust Illinois. I don't know if I can bring myself to pick 
Illinois and Purdue to go to the final four when both of them have, have burnt me in recent years with yeah. similar teams. So. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm even reconsidering the Arizona pick. I might pick Arizona to beat Illinois. I'm just not sure. Yeah. It's hard for me as well. Cause I think, I think we've both talked about before how we don't watch the PAC 12 as much and it's all Bill Walton's fault. <laughs> Gosh, dang it, Bill Walton. <laughs> Maybe I'd pick Arizona if you weren't so crazy. <laughs> Anyways, I mean that's. I mean, true. I, I mean, I can't. I could watch it on view. To be but... fair, the Pac-12 only has three teams in the mm-hmm. tournament. Yeah, the same amount of teams as the WCC. But they're some of the top ranked so, teams. You know, you got UCLA at the four, Arizona at the one, and then you do have USC coming in at seven. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I honestly hadn't watched Arizona very much. But what I have seen of them they look susceptible um, to losing. Like I watched them in their UCLA matchup where they got beat and they just did not look very crisp in that game. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, but I'm going to pick Illinois to move past Villanova. Oh, uh, see, this is one that I went back and forth on a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm with you. I actually am going to pick Villanova over Illinois here because I just, I just don't trust. I don't I just don't trust Illinois to play that many consecutive good games in a row. Yep. yep. You know, if it, it if it was just like a random one game sample, well, I mean, this is a random one game sample. But if it, if I just had to count on them winning one game, I think I would do that. But winning all these multiple games in a row, I think they're eventually going to lose, just because they're going to have an off night. That's the hard thing about picking these brackets is you have to consider if you pull, if you pick the upset, how big of a mistake could that be? That's why I'm worried about yeah. my Murray State pick with Kentucky because Kentucky could go to the finals. Like they have that kind of talent. Mm-hmm. And so if I mess that, if I'm wrong and Kentucky beats Murray State, like that could, that could end very poorly. Yeah. For me. Uh, so yeah. Anyways. Okay, so we well, both have Villanova. I th- yeah, I think that region was pretty similar for us. We didn't have very much difference in there. No. So, do we have any difference? The, I think the only difference the, we had was the Michigan Ohio State, State or Ohio State, uh, Loyola Chicago game. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, that's probably a bad sign. Um, I'll have to change some of my picks, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess me too. Yeah. Well, you can't. If you change them, then. And we'll just, just both change them to the same ones. Yeah. Um, Usually that happens. I feel like that happens every year in our bracket with our buddies when our buddies don't know anything. And then we we usually have at least one region that we've all like we we're on the same page, and then mm-hmm. that region blows up. Yeah. Like two, right. And then yeah, the some of our other friends get like that whole bracket right. Yeah. And and we'll make fun of them too at the beginning, be like, there's a no way those teams are winning. And then of yeah. course, those are the teams. Anyways, all right, we're moving on to the last region, um, the Midwest region. Kansas is the number one seed in this region. And, yeah, we're not even going to talk about that. They're playing the winner of Texas Southern. And wait, what's TCC? Uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Yeah, no idea what that is. I mean, yeah, so Kansas moving past there. I'm making it past the first round. Kansas has been looking good lately. Um, and then in the 8-9 game, we have San Diego State versus Creighton. 
Um, San Diego State, both of these teams are coming off losses in their conference tournaments. Um, who are you picking here? I originally had Creighton, but I didn't realize that Ryan Nimhard was out for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think that might be a little too much for Creighton to overcome. I have right now, I have San Diego State pegged in this matchup. Yeah, this is another coin flip for me, but I was really impressed with how Creighton played in the um, Big East tournament. Uh, they defended really well, which has been kind of an Achilles heel for them this uh, this season. And I think even without Ryan Nemhard, the other Ryans on the team, Ryan Kalkbrenner and Ryan Hawkins, are going to be able to carry the load. And they're going to be able to uh, get past the Aztecs in a very low-scoring game. I think yeah. this game is going to be in the 50s. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I'm not – that's kind of a coin flip for me. Yeah. Um, and the next game we have uh, the five seed Iowa Hawkeyes representing, um, and they are one of the hottest teams in the tournament. They just won the Big Ten Conference uh, Tournament Championship. I believe they've won 13 of their last 15 or something like that. 12 of their last 14 games. Won 12 of the last 14 games. Keegan Murray is averaging 23.6 points a game and eight eight rebounds. Uh, they're a very good three point shooting team with. Um, Bohannon, who's been there for at least a decade. Um, I think he actually set the record for the most games played by a player in college basketball. That's not surprising. I mean, yeah, he's been here forever. Forever. And then, yeah, the COVID year really makes that that separation. So, yeah, this is a very good offensive team in Iowa who has been playing very well recently. They average 83 points a game. Their weakness – is on the defensive end, they're not a very good defensive team. So it's kind of a it's, it's risky proposition. They're they're ranked 262nd in defensive rebounding as well. So they're not a great rebounding team. They're not a great defensive team, but they do score the ball and move the ball really well. And they take on the Richmond Spiders. Do you think Richmond has a chance in this one, Jordan? I mean, never say never, especially in a 5-12 matchup. But I think oh, Iowa is... Far and, by far and away, the strongest of all the five seeds. I was actually kind of surprised to see them on the five line when the tournament came around because, you know, like you said, they've been very hot as of late. They have, I mean, what is their record? Are they 26 and nine? It's a pretty good record. Obviously, you know, playing a tough schedule in the Big Ten tournament and winning the Big Ten. I think they deserve better than a five seed. And yeah, I think they're, I think they're going to blow out Richmond in this game. Yeah, I also have Iowa in this game. Um, and, and Richmond was a bid thief. They weren't going to make it in, but they ended right. up winning in the yeah, A-10. They, they beat Davidson, I believe. Is mm-hmm. that right? They did. Yeah. So, yeah, they were likely wouldn't have made it in. But, yeah, not picking the upset there. Um, next matchup is Providence versus South Dakota State. Uh, who you got here? I think this is going to be the most interesting matchup of the first round in this region. Um, maybe in the whole bracket, honestly. South Dakota State scores 86.7 points a game. They're undefeated in their conference, 30 and four on the year. Um, the the Jackrabbits have been good. They have experience in the NCAA tournament before with some upsets and some pretty talented players. Uh, very good three point shooting team. And then you have Providence on the other side, who's been the maybe the biggest surprise of college basketball 
uh, going 25 and 5, 14 and 3 in the Big East. Uh, the Friars have been good, although they've won a lot of very close games. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough to say Providence is a fraud when they're when they're uh, when they're 25 and 5 on the year, but a lot of people still aren't necessarily bought in on how good Providence is. So with as as well as South Dakota State shoots the ball. I think this is going to be an interesting matchup, and I think I have I'm going to be picking the Jackrabbits to make the upset. Yeah, I'm also going to pick the Jackrabbits for the upset here. Um, like you mentioned, Providence has been in so many close games, and I mean a lot of those games. Sometimes it just comes down to the way the ball bounces, you know. Yep. Um, so there's definitely an element of luck involved in all of those wins, and I mean they're a very good defensive team, but they struggle to get things going on offense. Um, so, and yeah, like you said, South Dakota state, one of the, the third best ranked offensive team in the country, they have South Dakota state has five players that shoot over 40% from three. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. That's pretty and impressive. yeah. Um, so I think the offense of South Dakota state is going to be too much for the Friars to handle. So I'm picking them to move on with the upset. Um, next matchup, we have the LSU Tigers versus the Iowa State Cyclones in the 6-11 game. This is an interesting one. Iowa State is a good defensive team who is not great on offense outside of uh, Brockington. Brockington is a is is pretty good. Uh, Isaiah Brockington is one of the better guards in the Big 12. He leads their team offensively and the team is disciplined uh, on defense. Uh, although they did play a lot better at home than on the road. Um, conversely, LSU played pretty well. I thought they were going to be higher than a six earlier in the season. I thought they would be a like a three seed earlier in the season, but they've had some ups and downs. They have some good wins. They beat Kentucky um, and Alabama, um, but they've had some poor performances as well. And they just lost their head coach. Their head coach has been fired, Will Wade, for his cheating that he has done. And I don't know what other kind of allegations as well, but definitely cheating for the past few years. They finally got him on, and he has been fired. So LSU, if they do win, will be doing so without their head coach. Do you think that plays enough of a role that Iowa State can pull off the upset here, or do you think LSU is going to win anyways? Yeah, like you said, with that storyline, that's something that I would normally – look at a lot to go into the decision because I mean that's got to be affecting the players there's no denying that um so I think that's definitely going to play a factor but I still think LSU has too much talent if it was any other 11 seed I might pick the upset but Iowa State has not looked super good for me um I mean they lost their last game to Texas Tech only scored 41 points yeah 41 points like are you kidding me so I don't even know if they can score enough points to give them a chance to win and LSU's got so much talent between Tari Eason Xavier Pinson um I also want to put in there they also have Shaq's son Sharif O'Neal uh he doesn't I mean he doesn't play much he comes off the bench and everything but I think LSU has a lot of talent and despite the um turmoil that's happening in that locker room I think they're going to make the make it past um the Cyclones yeah, I also have LSU in this game for those reasons that you just outlined. Uh, Iowa State was a surprise early in the season. They were, had a very good record in their non-conference. Uh, but in conference, they've gone 7-11, and, and they they struggle offensively. 
uh, against good defenses, especially in LSU has a good defense. So I, I have LSU um, winning this game. Uh, and then the next game, I think it will be a very interesting one is Wisconsin versus Colgate. Yeah, I think it will be interesting as well. I would be more tempted to consider the upset if the game was not in Milwaukee. Yeah. But the game being in Milwaukee, and also I don't know how that happened. The committee must have been feeling really good towards Wisconsin. But, um, yeah, I think Wisconsin is going to win, and I think the home court advantage is going to help out. But I think, like you mentioned, Colgate is a really good shooting team, so I, I think they'll make it an interesting matchup, but I think Wisconsin's going to move forward. I think the issue with Colgate is they're a little undersized and not very good def- defensively. Also, I picked them to go to the Sweet 16 last year, and they I was looking real good in the first half when they were up by like double digits against Arkansas, and then they got they somehow lost by double digits, and then I don't trust them anymore. So I got Wisconsin. Okay, then the next matchup we have. You see Trojans versus the Miami Hurricanes. Who you got? I got USC here. Um, I just don't think the ACC has been that great. Uh, and then Miami doesn't have a whole lot of quad one wins. Uh, only one win against top 25. They're not a great defensive team. So I don't know if either of these teams are that great, but I have USC winning. Yeah, I think USC, their front line is going to be way too much for Miami to handle. They, they've got four players averaging like 6'10". Um, and then in addition, they've got Isaiah Mobley, who's been averaging 14 points and nine rebounds a game. Uh, yeah, I, it's not going to be looking good for the Hurricanes. Okay, so we're on the same page there. And then we've got Auburn and Jackson State, Jacksonville State. Sorry, not Jackson State. Jackson State is coached by uh, Deion Sanders. Jacksonville State beat Florida State in football this year. So a lot going on there, but uh, I don't think they're going to beat Auburn. So unfortunately for them, I have Auburn moving on to the second round. Nope, I agree. And real quick, I'll just mention that it was kind of an interesting situation with Jacksonville State because they actually lost in their conference final. But the team that they lost to, Bellarmine, is not eligible to even be in the tournament because they just barely got they just barely became a division one team so yeah, that's right that's obviously not a good sign <laughs> to pick an upset there not like you would pick the 215 upset anyways but anyways um okay Bellerman, Bellerman's an interesting team also to watch in the future they have an old coach who has an interesting offensive style where they hardly ever dribble they pass the ball a lot they're kind of fun to watch offensively maybe it's a team to keep keep uh keep in mind in future NCAA tournaments as they get more talent on the in the division one level but for now it's Jacksonville State and they're going to lose so move on to the second round we have Kansas taking on San Diego State uh for me and then you have Creighton I believe in this one uh do you think Kansas gets by either one of those teams uh yeah I don't think it matters who comes out um, on top between San Diego State and Creighton. I think Kansas is moving on. They've looked really good um, coming on the stretch, coming off the um, the Big 12 tournament. I, I think they're going to make it past them easily. Yep, I do as well. I have Kansas moving on. And then 
potentially, I really hope San Diego State or uh, not San Diego State, South Dakota State wins because Iowa versus San Diego or South Dakota State could be one of the funnest games in the entire tournament. I uh, think the, that game might be in the hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. But the way those two teams play. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess the I, I have Iowa winning because of how well they've been playing as of late. They have uh, uh, NBA potentially lottery pick right now in uh, in Murray Keegan Murray leading the way. They have experience with with Bohannon, but South Dakota State shoots the ball and scores the ball so well. If they get into an up and down game with Iowa State, as good as Iowa State's offense is, I don't know if the Hawkeyes can can keep up with the Jackrabbits. So. Who do you think? No, I'm taking Iowa here. I think Iowa's just too talented, and they've got the veteran experience from, like, Jordan Bohannon, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I think I think they're going to be able to make it pass. But I think, like you said, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and it'll, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I, I do have Iowa as well, but I think it'll be close, and if those teams do play, definitely you should be watching that game. Murray State, Kentucky – Iowa, South, uh, South Dakota State, those are two games I would like to see. Um, and the third game, we have LSU taking on Wisconsin. Uh, and I have Wisconsin winning this game. What about you, Jordan? Yeah, same. Yeah, like I said, like I'm barely picking LSU to win their first game. I think yeah. this is where, you know, all the turmoil that's happening in their locker room catches up to them. And then they've also just not been super consistent throughout the season. And yeah, Wisconsin – you know, they've got veteran guard play with Brad Davison and one of the best players in the country in Johnny Davis. I think Johnny Davis is going to look a lot better because I think he's going to have a lot more time for his, you know, he got injured in that last regular season game against Nebraska. Um, and so I think that's why they struggled in the Big Ten tournament. But I think come tournament time, they're going to be looking pretty good. Okay. And then uh, USC Auburn, who you have in that one? This was a hard one for me because I do feel like Auburn's going to be um, – they've been a little inconsistent even though they've, you know, they've had a really good record throughout the year. Let's see, their record was 27-5. and five. I think what it's going to come down to for them is their guard play. Um, Katie Johnson and Wendell Green, they just have a tendency to force the issue too much and turn the ball over. And instead of giving it to their tremendous big guys like Jabari Smith and uh, Walker Kessler, and I think, and because of that, I kind of wanted to pick USC for the upset because USC's got a good, tremendous front line, but I still think the talent of Auburn gets them past this game. Yeah, I also have, I have Auburn um, moving on here as well. Uh, but yeah, the front lines of those game, of, of USC Auburn would be, would be fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be a fun matchup. Then you have the uh, farmer battle with Kansas and Iowa. Um, do you think the Jayhawks or the Hawkeyes move on? Yeah, I think this is where the magic for the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, runs out. And yeah, I think the Jayhawks are still going to be moving on. I just, I just think that Iowa hasn't faced a defense as good as Kansas this year. And I think that's going to be hard for them, even though they're like a tremendously talented offensive team. Like you mentioned, they have that weekend, uh, that weakness on the defensive end. And in addition, I think Kansas has been playing really well lately. I feel, I feel like Remy Martin has really kind of fit into his role. He's forcing the issue a lot less and really looking to be a facilitator a lot more. So I, I think because of those reasons, Kansas is going to move on. 
Yeah, I also have Kansas in this game. They've been playing well. Um, I wouldn't call Kansas a particularly good defensive team, but they're definitely better than Iowa, and they are explosive offensively. Uh, so I have Kansas in this game. And then uh, Wisconsin-Auburn will be an interesting one. I have Auburn um, winning this behind Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Um, but I think Wisconsin definitely has a good chance. Uh, what do you who do you, who do you have here? Yeah, I'm picking Wisconsin here. Um, yeah. I mentioned before about those guards, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green. Uh, they're going to be coming up against one of the best defensive card guards in the country in Brad Davison. Um, so I just I just think they're not going to they're not going to be able to perform as well as they need to. And I think that's going to give Wisconsin the edge. And in addition, I think the Wisconsin front line is going to be able to match up well. Uh, Jabari Smith, you know, he relies a lot on his speed to get past um, defenders. And um, the Wisconsin big guys, Crowell and um, spacing on the other guy's name, Tyler Wall. Mm. Yeah. The, yeah, they're pretty quick. So he's not, uh, Jabari Smith's not going to be able to get around them as easily. Um, so, yep, I'm picking the Badgers. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I think that's very possible. Um, but do you have them beating Kansas in the next round? I do. Four? I do not. I think Kansas is making it to the final four. Um, like, like we said, I think they've got one of the best starting fives. I think they have the best starting five in all of college basketball when they're all playing well. So I think, I think they have enough talent to make it. What do you think? Uh, yep, I have Kansas moving on as well, um, taking out Auburn. And then, yeah, we'll look look to the we're, – we're set for the final four, Jordan, I guess. Uh, who do you have – who do you have in your final four as a recap? And then how do you think it's going to go down? Who's going to be the national champion this year? So in my final four, I have Texas Tech and Purdue and then Villanova and Kansas. So I think, um, I think Purdue is going to be able to make it past Texas Tech in that matchup. I just like the way um, – I, I, yeah, I just think it's going to be hard. Texas Tech is not super tall. And like you said, Zach Eady and Trayvon Williams are going to be hard to match up against. And then I like Kansas against Villanova. And then overall, I like Kansas to win it all. I, I think they're the most talented – and I think as long as they don't have an off game, like where they just lay an egg, I think they're going to be taking down the nets at the end. Okay. All right. All right. I have a very similar final four. So I have Gonzaga and Purdue and then Villanova and Kansas. I have Gonzaga taking out Purdue in the battle of the big people. I hope that would be a good matchup too with uh, the front courts of those teams facing off. I would like to watch that. Um, but I have Gonzaga winning that. And I have Kansas beating Villanova and Gonzaga beating Kansas and Gonzaga winning the national championship. Finally. Um, uh, yeah, I just think they're the team that I can count on the most to play well consistently. I'm actually surprised with myself, honestly, that I have Kansas in, in the finals because I don't think Kansas is super consistent. Uh, they have flaws. They are flawed defensively. But with the matchups each game, I think they might, looking back, I think they have the easiest road to the Final Four. Um, Kansas does. And because of that, I think they're going to make their way into the finals, and I think Gonzaga is going to beat them there. 
Yeah. Yeah. This was hard for me too, because I mean, honestly, when I got to my final four, I was like, wait, these are the teams I have to work with. <laughs> but I, I, I think based on the matchups, I think, you know, obviously I'm probably not going to be right, but I think the way that the matches have worked out, I could, this is what I see happening. And like you said, Kansas has been inconsistent, but I think the matchups work favorably for them and they can win it all, but we'll see. We'll have to find out. Um, so yeah, I think that concludes our discussion about the NCAA tournament. Um, unless there was anything else you wanted to mention before we move on. Um, no, not really. I still, I'm, there may be a couple edits I make before my official bracket. Um, but this is kind of a little bit of analysis going through each of the teams. I hope that each of you enjoyed it. It's a little long, little, little long, but, uh, I know I enjoyed it. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoyed going <laughs> through it. This is uh Jordan. Is this your favorite week of the year, Jordan? This, this is honestly like, I mean, people get excited for Christmas. I, I mean, I love Christmas as much as the next guy, but it does not compare with the excitement that I feel around this time of year. All right. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I also enjoy it, and we know that you all do as well. To kind of wrap up the uh, episode today, we kind of wanted to kind of briefly go over what makes a good fan or a fan base and what makes a bad fan base uh, and what are some of the some examples of, of both of, team, of fan bases we think are the best in, in sports or at least the sports that we care about and the worst in sports that we care about. Um, so I, at first I wanted to kind of go over which fan bases do you do you dislike or you think they're bad fan bases, Jordan? Do you have any, any of those come to mind? Yeah, it was funny as I was trying to come up, you know, I was trying to come up with bad fan bases and good fan bases. I couldn't come up with any good ones, but I came up with plenty of bad ones. Um, so first one that comes to mind for me, it's probably biased since I've been living in Cleveland, but Cleveland fans are honestly kind of annoying. And in addition, I'm going to kind of wrap them up with OSU fans. I feel like, I mean, OSU fans are kind of elitist. They, I mean, just the fact that they always force the issue that they're the Ohio State University, that bugs me so much. I'm just like, just you're Ohio State. We're just going to call you Ohio State. You don't need to put the, you can't trademark the to put that in your name. Uh, so that in and of itself annoys me. And then in addition, I feel like they're always just loud and obnoxious, even though they're never good. Like, I mean, I guess with that, I'm particularly thinking about the Cleveland Browns. Like, I feel like if you're going to be loud and obnoxious and everything, you need to have that game to back it up. However, on that same note, I do have a lot of respect for them because, you know, being a Cleveland Brown fan, it's got to be hard because you haven't had much to cheer for, but they still cheer. They still love their Cleveland Browns. So little caveat there. So yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one to bring up because there's different facets of what makes a bad fan and a good fan, because mm -hmm. I do agree. Like if you're, a, if you're still a Browns fan and a Cavs fan, like if you've consistently been one of those fans your entire life, like good for you. Like that's a crappy life you've had, but I'm glad that you support your team still. Um, but I do a hundred percent agree. Ohio state was one of those on my list. Uh, when 
the Texas Longhorns went to Columbus in 2005 when they won the national championship. Uh, they had to go to the horseshoe. And from everything that I've heard from people who were at that game, Texas fans say that they've never been treated worse at any game. And these are fans that routinely go to Texas A&M and go to uh, the Red River shootout in Dallas with teams that actually hate them. And they said they were treated the worst by Ohio State fans, that Ohio State fans were the worst they've ever had experience with. So, uh, and I've heard that also from some other fan bases as well um, here in Iowa and some other places that Ohio State is really, their fans are pretty bad um, in that respect. So that's interesting. Anyone else that comes to mind, Jordan? Yeah, other teams on my list are Notre Dame football because I feel like they're such they're also got that elitist mentality. Um, like they, and they think that they're better than they actually are, like when they're not good, you know what I mean? Um, and I think part of that is because, you know, there is so much history surrounding Notre Dame football. I mean, it's, it's a classic football program. And I mean, they usually do get pretty good recruits coming into that program, but I just think it's annoying because like, yeah, some years when they're down and they're in the ACC and they don't really have that big of a strict schedule, they still feel like they should be in the, discussions for the big bowl games and i'm like i'm like no no you, you can't make that argument so yeah that's another one for me and going along with that the dallas cowboys <laughs> because i feel like the dallas cowboys are the notre dame of the nfl like they're also kind of like they've traditionally been good but recently like they haven't been that good and everyone thinks that they should be better than they actually are well, I mean, not everyone, the, the Dallas Cowboys fans in particular. And I don't like how they've branded themselves as America's team. I don't know. So well, they didn't brand themselves as America's team. America branded them as America's team in the 70s with Roger Stahlbeck. I, I'm part of America. I'm not so. branding them. So anyways well, there's good parts of america and bad parts of america and you can I know. choose where you I know that be. I, I know that wasn't going to be a popular one for you so no but i i understand that that's fair i mean yeah. they're like, you compared them they're like the yankees of mm-hmm. of yeah you know, of baseball right? yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah so or yeah you know what i mean yeah no i understand that also i'm just going to throw one more team on there uh milwaukee milwaukee bucks really they were kind Why? of annoying just like how like they were kind of like dangerous in the finals last year like i heard there was like gunshots like people got injured in those celebrations um when you know milwaukee came down from that 2-0 deficit in the nba finals which i mean great you have a lot to celebrate for but keep it under control also maybe maybe i'm a little bit biased because i was rooting for the suns in that series uh, interesting so those it's really <laughs> the gunshots that metaphorically hit you yeah i mean hurt, it's not like i was like in love with the phoenix suns i you know if they were facing the golden state warriors in the finals that would have been a different story but um yeah anyways just wanted to throw that in there as well but yeah what are some of the fan bases for you that you feel like are some of the worst in the country Okay, so the number one fan base that is the worst undisputedly is the combination of 76ers and Eagles. Um, Philadelphia fans are awful. They are, there's no fan base between those that are more uh, self-righteous 
and self, like they feel like they have the right to do whatever they want. They're truly cruel and mean. They boo their own team regularly, their own players, and they are not, uh, as far as the 76ers goes, they don't always even show up to the games anyways, but they're, they're literally cruel. I feel like they go to the games and they feel like they have the right to say or do whatever they want without consequence. Uh, they're the kind of people that um, I wish that they were forced to say what they say to their players to their face and so that they could get punched in the face. They're, they're awful. I, I, I enjoy seeing them lose every time they lose. So they're number one. Yeah, I should have included them on my list too. Yeah, for, they're, for being they're the city of brotherly love, they have no idea what that means as far as their sporting teams. Um, and then along those same lines is New York fans. Um, I'm looking particularly at the Knicks here. Mm, yeah. but they have the same problems of Philadelphia, of booing their own players and not supporting their own team. Um, and uh, having ridiculous sense, senses of entitlement. Um, they, so they bother me quite a bit. Um, and then there's the general Florida sports teams, fan bases who are awful for a different reason, because you say what you want about Knicks fans and Eagles fans, but they do show up to the games. They show up for maybe bad reasons because they feel like they have some right to, to be jerks to everyone, but they do show up. And in Florida, they don't even show up to the games. Uh, I don't even know why they have so many teams. And I, you look at the Rays, the Marlins, the Jags, no one goes to those games, even though when the teams are good, the Rays, the Rays have been good in baseball for a long time. They've been one of the top teams in baseball and no one cares about the Rays in Florida. Uh, and then the Jags, I, I, there's been times where the local TV market had to publicly apologize to the people in Florida for showing Jags games instead of showing like Patriot games because they thought that more people, they were contractually obligated to show the Jags, even though people wanted, would rather have watched the Patriots play uh, in their own market. So, yeah. And then the Heat fans are probably the most fair weather fans there's ever been. You see all the, the pictures of all the Heat fans that left game six early when they won the championship against the Spurs and tried to get their way back in and they wouldn't let them back in the building because half of them left, and then they're never on time to the games. They're always late. Florida, so Florida fans in general, they're awful too. So I'm looking at, and half of them are probably also from New York because they're old people and they go move to Florida. Oh, okay. I was so like, I wonder where's that how much there, some influence there. So Philly is the worst, then Florida is second, and then New York has their own problems, although Ohio State fans are also really bad. And then I have two more, and I'll be done for my examples. The Cubs... Um, purely because of the Bartman incident, which you're from, are you, you don't really pay attention to baseball, you know, not, the not familiar, incident. not familiar. So you know how the Cubs had the curse if they had, they hadn't won for a hundred years or whatever, right. They never win. Um, well in, uh, I don't remember what year this was, 2002, 2003, something like that, 2004, somewhere in that range. The Miami or the Florida Marlins were playing at the at the Chicago Cubs, and someone hit a foul ball down the left field line, 
and it was right at the edge of where the stands were and where the player was and it's kind of an elevated um elevated stands like probably like 15 feet in the air and one of the cubs uh fans on the on that edge on the first row caught the foul ball like reached out and caught the foul ball and the cubs player thought he was going to be able to catch the ball but the fan caught it so he couldn't catch it and so the the player got really mad and started pointing up at the fan saying hey he took the ball that's interference uh and they couldn't prove anything and and it it could have been and whatever maybe he would have made the catch maybe he wouldn't have but at that time the cubs were up in the game in game six i think it was winning the series they were up by like two or three runs in like the eighth inning um and so they're winning they're about to go to i think it was the world series so they win this game they go to the world series they're up by two or three runs and this player melts down points out this cubs guy and and what happens after that is the cubs end up losing so they end up losing that game and they end up losing the series to the marlins and then it's everyone's mad because of the curse and they can't win and and then they started they blamed specifically this man whose last name is bartman in such a way that he had to have security escort him out of the game and and like literally ruined this guy's life in Chicago to where he he couldn't like go in public because people would like either like for fear of his own life because Chicago Cubs fans took their their fanaticism to such a level as to ruin someone's life and for, I don't think I can ever forgive those fans for doing something like that. There's a level of sports respect and separation you need to have from the rest of your life to where that should never, ever happen. There's no excuse for that under any circumstances. It's a problem that soccer teams internationally have all the time where I see that they like literally like murder someone because they missed a, they, they had an own goal or something and they get murdered mm-hmm. in the streets or they burn the city down because their team lost or something have some lines if you don't have lines i don't have any respect for you and you i don't want you to win ever you're a bad fan base so i have that story and then my last one is oklahoma because it's 952 and they suck and i mean uh, if you weren't a texas fan would you pick oklahoma i mean they all they're bad examples they all do math and they they uh they enjoy incest and all those things so I don't feel like they're a good, they're a good, they're a good supporter for society. That's not what I was expecting. I was not expecting the incest remark as part I mean, of as part of our discussion of good and bad fan bases. This I did not expect that to, to show up. Important factor that almost everyone covers. I'm just looking at Oklahoma and Arkansas. Really, if you're not those fan bases, you you pass that test. Good job. But yeah. oh boy. So, but I, okay. So anyways, that was my bad fan base list. Do you have any good fan bases or ones that stand out to you? Yeah. Like I said, I couldn't come up with any, however, I do want to mention some characteristics. I mean, we kind of already talked about this, but like, what are some good characteristics that would make up a good fan base? One of those characteristics is I feel like you, you recognize when you're not good and you admit that you're not good. I think that's an important thing. That's one key thing that comes to my mind. I don't know what else comes to your mind. And then also, I guess, yeah, did you have any, um, did you have a list of good fan bases that 
you were able to identify? Okay, well, I guess first I'll go through a list of some characteristics because that was one of them on my list yeah. of good fan bases. You're a good fan or a good fan base if you're self-aware, mm -hmm. which is what you were saying. You know if you're good or bad and you can have a discussion with someone in a way that's not obnoxious or annoying because you, you know if you're good or not. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't pick your team to win or you're, you're not biased or overconfident, but you are aware of the level generally of your team's potential. Uh, and then the other one is if your fan base is intelligent, you actually know what you're talking about. This is not true with a lot of SEC schools. That's not a shot at their actual educational institutions, which it could be, but it's not. I'm just saying that there are lots of SEC fans who are not aware of other regions in the country and that they're not the only, mm. they're not the only part of sports that matters. And are you um, saying part of that is like not even knowing the game super well too, like whether it be football, basketball, baseball, like they're just uh, not yes. super. Yeah. Okay. It, it, I feel like it goes along intelligence and self-awareness go right along together in this discussion. I feel like it's the ability to watch a game and the referee make a call that goes against your team and you not immediately say that was stupid or a bad call. You're like, oh yeah, that like, was a, no, that, that was, was actually right. a good call. Yeah. That was a fumble or that was a foul, even though it hurts my team. If you can do that, that's a good sign that you're a good fan or a good fan base. If your fan base can do that. Um, and then another couple things is one, you're not arrogant jerks. It's the problem with Philadelphia and, and uh, New York. Um, but you, you also have to be dedicated and passionate. You're in and you're out. So you're consistently support your team and you're dedicated and you are loud and cheer. That's kind of a check for, for like Nebraska fans, for example, are always there. Even if their team stinks or not, they're, they're kind of arrogant in Nebraska. They don't check all the boxes, but they do show up and they do cheer their team cheer their team um and the last couple is one you you shouldn't almost ever boo your team there's almost no circumstances that you should be booing your own team um because they don't want to play poorly like if they're like there could be some examples if they straight up like quit in such a way that is disrespectful to what they represent. And I'm not saying quit as in it looks like they quit or they choked. I mean, they literally like pretty much stop playing. It has to be really extreme. Or if um, maybe they were the cause of some kind of fight or really, really bad incident or something, then maybe you could, you could boo them to show like, hey, we don't support that kind of action here. We have standards. But any kind of performance level booing is not acceptable. Um, and I then, think real go quick ahead. going along with that, I think um, one component of that could be like when one of your players either gets traded or as a free agent decides to join another team, like you don't hate that player. Yeah. Like for example, you know, like when LeBron left Cleveland, they like burned LeBron jerseys in the street and stuff like that. I feel like as, as a good fan base, you need to be happy for your players that have moved on to other places. You know, you know, barring some circumstances where maybe the players handled it the wrong way, which some could argue that LeBron handled that the wrong way in that situation. But 
yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with what you were saying. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think there's a mix though, because it definitely depends on how the player leaves. Because I know there's been examples for the Texas Rangers where like Alex Rodriguez uh, was a member of the Texas Rangers and then he wanted out and he left and he said he didn't really enjoy his experience there. So every time he came back, he got booed heavily, even though he was the MVP because he, he was, it was his fault, really. It wasn't the fan base's fault. He's, he's the one that left on a bad note. If he had just left and said, I enjoyed my time with the Rangers and I'm, but I'm glad to be with my new team and whatever, like that, that was on him on that well, move. So but like, what, what was he saying? Like he didn't enjoy his time. Like, was he having, like, was he having some issues with people at the, I can't remember the exact details because this okay. was like 20 was a years while ago. ago. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. was, I don't think his contract, his contract was not up. He kind of forced a trade, mm, like gotcha. that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like LeBron. LeBron's different because he was a free agent and he could have done whatever he wanted um, when he left Cleveland. And he never said anything bad about Cleveland. He just wanted to do something else. And in that respect, yeah, you shouldn't be burning jerseys or whatever. But if you are like, 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 the 76ers, well, not 76ers, I'm trying to think of a good example of a, of a team. What, what's a good example of it? Like, like this, uh, I don't know. Like, well, maybe like the Thunder with Kevin Durant. Didn't they boo Kevin Durant when he came back? I see. I don't like that though, because Kevin Durant was a free agent. I think if you're a free agent and you leave, I think if you force your way out through a trade or you specifically badmouth the team on the way out saying like, man, I like, I don't, if he, if he had said like, I, I hate Oklahoma city, I'm glad I'm out of that yeah. dust hole. And now that I'm in California, if he had said that, then yeah, you can get booed. Oh, but you're if he talking just about left... like someone who's just forcing themselves out. Like, like Jimmy Butler, didn't he kind of do that with, uh, with the Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a Timberwolves fan, you can boo Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. So it does depend on the situation. Okay. But there are very few, very few situations when when you can boo your own team, especially if they're on your team right now. Like if mm-hmm. they're on your team playing right now, you should almost never boo your own team. That's one of the standards that I have. And then the last one was kind of along the same lines of you should be more interested in supporting your team instead of degrading the other team. Something that I don't really understand because I like watch, I'm a Texas fan and everyone likes to do the horns down. And it doesn't bother me because in it, it shouldn't because I, I like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't matter. I'm not one of those people that's like, it should be a technical or a, some kind of foul when people do the horns down because I like rivalry. I don't, I don't have any problem with it. Um, I, I do think it's a little self-degrading if you're not Oklahoma if you're not Texas A&M and you're not Arkansas doing the horns down or even like Texas tech, like if you're not a rival to that team, why are you, why are you degrading to the team? Like, like we, like Texas doesn't care about you. Like if, if Texas is playing Northwestern and Northwestern would do horns down, they're like, we don't, we don't care about you. There's no rivalry here. There's no relationship. Why, why don't, why are you not just supporting your own team? So that's not a shot at horns down specifically. I'm just using that as a example of like, you should probably support your own team more than you dislike the other team, unless it's like a legit rivalry, but even then you still should be supporting your own team more. 
and yeah. that's my uh, that's my six six things there I have for uh, standards for good fan base. A couple examples that I have: uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think, are a pretty good fan base overall. They always show up. Um, they're loud. Um, it's kind of what they have. I haven't been there in person, so I can't judge if they're kind or not, but I haven't seen any experiences too much with them booing. Maybe if they were booing Kevin Durant, maybe that's, maybe that's a knock, especially considering all that Kevin Durant did for that franchise. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have to reconsider that. Um, but I have been to Texas A&M games and I have been to Kansas Jayhawk games. And I would say from my experience that both of those fan bases are pretty good fan bases. A&M has some, has some self-awareness issues that they, uh, they think they're too big for the riches, but um, as far as respect and uh, respect for the opponent, opponent and respect for um, their own team and supporting their own team and and uh, being passionate and dedicated, I think Texas A&M is a pretty good fan base, and uh, Kansas specifically with basketball, their their basketball fan base is very good as well. Those those are a few examples I thought of as well. Uh, do you have any? What do you have any other thoughts about that, Jordan? What do you think? Anything I left out? Um, no, I think that's all good. Like I said, I couldn't come up with any good fan bases, which is sad. I feel like that's me being such a pessimist and <laughs> that's my outlook on life. Um, but yeah, just so if you're out there listening, now you know how to be a good fan. So hopefully you guys can take these words of wisdom and, and apply them. So if, you're, if you fit into this cat, any of these categories, of being a bad fan, you can change, and it's not too late. It's not too late. So there's there's my there's my plug right there. That's that's what I have to say. We're here to help. Yep, that's what we're. You. Yeah. If you need to talk sometime about some of your bad fan habits that you might have, you know, just just reach out. We can we can help. Okay, that's all I have. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, for this long episode of the Provo Pick and Roll podcast as we broke down our uh, our brackets, getting ready for this weekend in March Madness. We hope you have a good weekend. Please subscribe to our um, to our podcast on Spotify. Hit the notification bell so you will know when the next episode drops. And until then, uh, we hope to see you next time. Whoosh, Kevin. And go Cougs.